Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Tony Cotty, and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. West Ham are massive, everywhere they go. West Ham are massive, everywhere they go. One, two, three, four, everywhere they go. Now, I know this might not be a very imaginative way to start a podcast, but I'm just going to simply read out once again a list of West Ham United's recent achievements. In the last two months, the Hammers have taken part in their first ever Europa League group game and won 2-0 away at Dynamo Zagreb. They then beat Manchester United away 1-0 in the League Cup, only to beat Manchester City in the next round on penalties, a team who had not lost in the League Cup for five years. We went on a perfect run in our first three Europa League group stage games, winning three and not conceding a goal. We've then gone to Genk and made it 10 points from four, still unbeaten in our first ever Europa League group stage campaign. We've beaten Leeds United away. We've beaten Everton away. We beat Tottenham at home. We thrashed Aston Villa at Villa Park 4-1. And then we have just gone on to make sure that Liverpool once again do not go through a season unbeaten. Their first defeat in nine months in what was one of the historic games at the London Stadium on Sunday afternoon. Now, I don't just list what West Ham have done recently because of a lack of creativity. I'm sure you all know exactly what they've done in recent weeks, but I do it because in my lifetime, each and every one of those achievements or victories would be considered season defining. I'm 30 years old next week and I have never seen anything like it. My dad is 57 and he has only seen even similar to that just once in his life. So I'll continue to read out every single phenomenal win record or landmark that West Ham achieve, break or earn over the next few weeks, months or as long as it lasts. We must all drink this in because for some of us, this has never been so good and who knows whether it ever will be again. This is cloud nine and there's no other way to describe it. What a joy, what a time to be alive and what a man joining me on the We Are West Ham podcast this week is James Jones. I did have a week off last week and Josie did a sterling job of holding the fort without me it's an awful lot of work believe it or not that goes into producing this podcast and uh, I sprung it on James last minute 
because uh, my completion date for my new flat that I've just moved into came out of nowhere. I sprung it on Jonesy and he pulled it all together in my absence. So hats off to him. It was a gutted Jonesy or I was gutted to miss it to be quite honest because there was so much positive stuff to cover but fortunately the, uh, the 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 steam train of joy and glory that is West Ham United uh, rumbles on another couple of uh, couple of games in a couple of weeks in my absence so it's just as good if not better this week than it was last believe it or not how are you mate? I'm good, thanks, mate. Uh, I'm glad you're back because, yeah, you're right. It is a hell of a lot of work. And last week was, yeah, it was busy. Let's put it that way. Um, <laughs> very, very busy. Um, on top of my day job as well. Um, doing technically three people's jobs. So, um, but it was fun. I enjoyed it. Um, and it was made all the better, as you quite rightly said, with West Ham just continuing to be absolutely massive and just just continuing to to get better and better and better. So I'm absolutely buzzing, mate. Um, still on cloud nine after Sunday. Um, just like living the dream at the moment, aren't we? It's, and, I, and uh, we've sort of started each podcast recently with similar things, but I, I, I was just running out of superlatives, really. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. It is just, it's the happiest I've felt ever, particularly West Ham related. I mean, you know, there's other, other things going on. It's just one of those times in life where life just feels okay at the moment. Like the COVID stuff seems behind everyone. I know it won't be for lots of people, but just a few things coming together. It's my birthday next week. I'm looking up some people that I love and care about coming out to celebrate with me. You in, uh, included, of course, Jonesy. Um, just, you know, and but West Ham being good as well, but not just good, as good as they have ever been. I just almost like... I'm just like, I need to drink this in because this could well be the peak of my life, my entire life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and, and from the football side of things, it's it's bizarre, mate, because, I mean, that, that on Sunday, I just thought, I just, it was like, wow, this, it, it feels fake. It, it feels like if you, if you played it on your, your, it feels like someone's really good is just playing PlayStation like FIFA and we're just watching (laughs) and it's not actually real life or whatever I mean I I managed to go to um, Genk on Thursday which is an absolute lifelong dream of mine mate watching West Ham away in Europe I know we didn't win but frankly given the three games that had gone before it was strange really even after the Suchek goal went in, I just added the biggest smile on my face ever because in the with the backdrop of everything else that's going on at West Ham at the moment, it almost the, the little bit of comedy, the the little bit of oh that's all right, we are still West Ham then because yeah. you know if we'd have got a win there as well, it just it would have been honestly exactly what it feels like. This is like if you were allowed to just design your life, well like West Ham particularly, if you just got the list of fixtures. And were like uh, um, the the person who wrote Goal with old Santiago Munez or whatever. If you were like a TV producer or a film producer, or and you were scripting West Ham season, it is how you do it, isn't it? What is happening is like movie stuff. And I, f- I mean, me and you both love West Ham, just like so many thousands of our uh, listeners do as well. It's such a huge part of our lives. And I think when they're playing well like that, it's just impossible not to wake up with a smile on your face. Yeah. I've seen a lot of people on Twitter go, oh, don't get carried away. 
like not West Ham fans, obviously, but yeah. people go, oh, don't get carried away. Like, you know, it's only 11 games into the season. It's like, absolutely not. We're, we're going to enjoy <laughs> it as much as we possibly can because we don't know how long it's going to last. You know, we, we don't know, even if it lasts for another season, we don't know when we're going to get it get it again. Um, and we, we're well overdue something like this, aren't we? Huh. Like, well overdue. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we're going to get carried away. We're going to love every single minute of it. We're going to, you know, celebrate as much as we possibly can and, and milk it as much as we possibly can because, yeah, I mean, we've waited so long for even just a fraction of what we're currently experiencing, let alone what we're actually currently experiencing. So, yeah, like, but just incredible. That That's exactly what it is, mate, isn't it? It, it just feels... What you've you've summed it up perfectly there, really. We're after a fraction of this. I mean, close, close to it, to be fair. Um, and last season felt like, and we've said that, and I think I tweeted off the account, uh, off of the podcast account uh, a week or so ago. This is what we were promised after one of our superb achievements recently. It was like this is what we were promised, and and that's what it feels like. Uh, it's better it's better than that at the moment but yeah my advice to anyone listening at all get as carried away as you want it just because mm-hmm. it might not last or because we might still finish fifth or even seventh it doesn't matter if you can't enjoy it right now actually i know but i just mean from a purely football perspective if you're not smiling at the moment you never will you literally mm-hmm. never will honestly because how much better can it get? All of those things I just mentioned. Beating t- and this is what it felt right. I just want to give a little hats off um, to my mate Steve, who, who supports Luton Town, right? That's, that's his team. And uh, he's not like one of those who's got a big team and a little team. He supports Luton Town. And uh, I went for uh, a pint with him after the game on Sunday. He, he um, he's lives in the area. He said he'll come and meet me after the game. So I went and had a beer with him and, uh, and a Liverpool friend of mine who was at the game as well. Um, and the three of us are friends anyway. We were just chatting after the game and the Liverpool fans sort of like, it was fairly gracious, but a bit like dour and downbeat, as you'd imagine. And and uh, Steve really gets it, what it's like to be a West Ham fan. Because I said that uh, analogy that I used in the intro and I said, all of those things that I've just read out, beating Tottenham away, fantastic. You know, away win at Leeds, away win at Aston Villa beating Manchester United away for the first time in 14 years uh, and then knocking Manchester City out of a cup that is basically theirs, that they haven't lost in for five years. All of those things are standalone. In years gone past, and I'm talking decades gone past, would be like season-defining things where an average, average campaign is defined by, just like when Maido, uh, Madiba Maiga, when we won away at Tottenham in the League Cup those couple of years, when the football was fairly average, that, that's what people remember, isn't it? Ravel Morrison yeah. at Tottenham. That's like the thing for the season. And Steve, the Luton fan, he said, I totally get it, mate. He said, because all you want is things. We're, we're never going to win, like, or as far as it seems for clubs like ours, you're never going to win trophies or be enormous or whatever um you just want things to remember and in the last two months we have had things that would stand alone as campaign defining as the one thing that you'd look back and remember and we've had five or six or seven of them it's like every time we go to west ham we're having one of those things the europe thrown in as well being successful there i mean i hope people can hear it in my voice and i hope that everyone is feeling exactly the same at home about their club 
and they are as proud of David Moyes and everyone at West Ham as as me and James are, the fans included as well, because Jonesy, that at London Stadium on Sunday was spectacular. I mean, we don't need to keep caveating that we're not going to go back to Upton Parks. We can't. But if anyone was ever in any doubt before, which I personally wasn't, that London Stadium wasn't home, that place was bouncing. And I mean bouncing, like rocking up and down with the the West Ham and Massive song. The, oh, it's just you talk, mate, because I could keep going for weeks. Well, I know a few weeks back um, that I said that the Leicester game earlier the season was the best atmosphere that we've, we've ever had. And mm. uh, you... you sneered yeah I sneered passionately knocked me back and said absolutely not Tottenham a few years back when we beat them that was the that was the one well now it's the Liverpool game for me like you're absolutely right that place was just I've got videos on my phone and you like it's like just people just literally just bouncing people hugging each other and like it was just such a great place to be um and I've I've not seen that stadium like that before yeah we've had good days there um one-offs you talk about those moments you know we always look back at beating Chelsea in the cup beating Man United um beating Tottenham a few times but that was extra extra special and it was all because of you know the fact that it's Liverpool they were unbeaten up until that point haven't lost in nine months in all competitions the way we did it it was such a great performance and we'll get on to um the details of that but yeah just an incredible, incredible atmosphere, incredible performance. And you're right. Everything that we've achieved so far this season, and you could say the 18 months, it doesn't, it's, I don't think it's not just this season. Um, if anything, we've just got better. It's an extension of last season. Um, mm. It has been like, you know, it's almost like we've done 15 years worth of one over one off moments in the space of 18 months. And it's all kind yeah. of just come on yeah. top of us. And we're just like, and like, someone's just like, What's going on? What's going on? Like, I said to one guy as we walked out the as we were walking out the stadium the other day, and I said, I just, we just looked at each other. I'd never met before in my life. We just looked at each other, and we just kind of just looked completely just baffled at what we were witnessing. And I said, "What on earth is happening here, mate?" And he just went, "It's written in the stars. Mike Noble was going to lift that trophy on his last ever game." And I was like, "Do you know what? Mate. Do you know what?" And like, it goes back to my "don't get carried away" thing. Like, I'm going to get carried away. At, at this rate, that could come true. Like we're we're well on our way to doing something ridiculous like that. Um, yeah, and it's just it's all just a little bit crazy at the moment, and absolutely buzzing. But at the same time, just talk, still trying to get mid round it all. Like mm. supporting supporting a massive football club all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, this this must be what City fans felt when they got bought out and suddenly it all just started winning trophies all of a sudden. We're on our way. We're on our way. Do- do you know what, mate? It's interesting you mentioned City there because, again, Steve the Luton fan, hats off. Um, he was saying the same thing that he doesn't particularly have a, he sort of has a bit of an affinity to towards West Ham because he lives in East London now. Um, and he said, this, like watching them do well, is brilliant. He said, because it's organic. He mm. said, there hasn't been this huge investment. Far from, like, far from it. The opposite for lots of years, wasn't it? Um and he said it's it's organic, and this is what people still want football to be, isn't it? If when it's probably when not if Newcastle scale these heights in the next however many seasons, no one's going to be like whooping away and excited and whatever. They're going to shrug and go, well, yeah, that's what's supposed to happen. 
Mm. They've bought, they've, th- that's what happens. They've piled in the money and that the return is inevitably that. No one's doing that at the moment, are they? Everyone's looking at going, unless Pete, obviously, you know, not many Tottenham. I think my Tottenham fans have got a few texts just saying, I'm just so upset at how good you lot are. One of my best and longest mates is a Liverpool fan, and I haven't heard from him since the game. I didn't text him afterwards, but um, the, he's coming out for my birthday on Saturday and then uh, the weekend after I'm spending four days with him in, in Barcelona. So I'm more than happy to wait until I see him in oh, person. Yeah. Yeah, bide, <laughs> bide your time. Bide your time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, mate. But it is just phenomenal. And that, you know, what a week, like what a week for, um, I was actually, I was gutted, mate. I know like you mentioned the workload or whatever. Um, but I, I didn't like the feeling. Like sometimes, me and you have both been there when it comes to the podcast or whatever. If we've got other things on and we've had to duck out for a week, um, you want to be part of it. It's nice to have a little rest every now and then. And yeah, because it is quite intense. But last week, I had lots of other things going on, but I was gutted. I thought, ah, this is a time I want to be talking into a microphone across from you, uh, talking about West Ham and football. Like that Man City game was just. Yeah. Mind blown as well. What a t- what an atmosphere that was. Um, yeah. So to miss one last week, I was actually quite gutted. And obviously, I, I know it's old hat for some people now, but I'd rather I wouldn't mind sitting here and chatting about that with you for hours on end as well. But look, we haven't got time for that, Jonesy. Uh, I'm sure, and I hope that um, those listening can hear the joy exuding from. Uh, from James and I, me a little bit so far, to be fair. We'll let James get a word in edgeways, don't worry. But I've had a week off, so I've got accumulative words. I've got two weeks' worth of words uh, to spit out over the airwaves to you guys this week. Um, but before we get into it uh, properly, let's do a little bit of housekeeping, as we always do. You can follow us on Twitter at we are underscore West Ham. We're on Instagram at we are West Ham Pod. Uh, Facebook, you can search We Are West Ham Podcast to find our page. Uh, YouTube channel is the same thing again. Just search We Are West Podcast. You can email us if you so wish at We Are West Pod at gmail.com. Uh, there's links to all the ways you can follow us and contact We Are West Ham in the description to this podcast below. So uh, you don't have to remember those usernames if you don't want to. Uh, just flick down. Uh, in this podcast to the description and you can click on links to whichever and whatever one you want to follow hopefully it's all of them but if you pick and choose absolutely fine by us uh, you can also buy us a beer as well and support the podcast at buymeacoffee.com slash we are west Ham. just want to say a massive thanks uh, to those of you who uh, chipped in this week, uh, James obviously did a better job of the appeal uh, than I did um, because, yeah, there was, a, there was a few of you. So we'll thank you a little bit later in the show because uh, we want to dedicate a little bit of time to lots of you who've got in touch this week. A lot of messages and tweets, uh, messages, whatever interactions that we've had on all, across all our platforms that made the pair of us smile. Uh, so we'll have a little bit of time. For that later on what else is coming up on the show Josie we've got Liverpool reaction immediately a little bit more detail on that game the Genk away game an absolute milestone in my life which I was delighted to do we'll have the Betway charity bet roundup uh, and then uh, the success of the segment we did a few weeks ago uh, during an international break the news and general summary of how good West Ham are at the moment 
things we want to discuss, how far we could possibly go from here, what we should do in January, the news about Ogbonna, what that might mean, uh, and perhaps some improvements that we uh, want to see in Declan Rice's game. Uh, that will be in part four. We'll have the West Ham women who got tonked 4-0 at Arsenal on Sunday, but no shame in that result really whatsoever. And then we'll say goodbye for another week. So stay with us because we've got all that coming up. And first of all, we'll start off with that win against Liverpool. Well, I'm out of breath after that, Jonesy. I'm watching it. It's a little bit of a, a strange thing doing these anyway, of course, isn't it? Because you're you're staring straight back at yourself um, in the camera uh, for most of it. I've just put you in the middle of the screen, Jonesy, so I'm looking at you instead of myself. Um, and I'm just beaming. I'm just grinning from ear to ear. Uh, it's been the same since Sunday, basically. Monday did feel like a weird little, like come down almost it's just like just like high from <laughs> from the euphoria of watching West Ham beat Liverpool uh, at the London Stadium um but yeah superb start to the show mate and I wish and I hope that uh, every single one of the rest of these podcasts are like this because although they're a little bit more difficult they are more enjoyable um than the the ones in the bad old days when there were protests and the club were just generally awful let's have it then, James, on this uh, Liverpool game on Sunday. We'll do that one first because it's more recent and we'll do Genk away next. There's lots and lots of stuff to cover. I imagine for a neutral, it must have been a phenomenal game to watch. I was really gripped by it, to be honest. Uh, you know, I, I wrote a few notes down uh, in the running order, as I usually do. And I started off with a few a few negatives. Right? You know, how grim a Liverpool to watch with the moaning all the time, diving. Um, the referee, I thought, was a disgrace. Craig Pawson could not wait to award Liverpool each and every possible decision that he possibly could, whilst insisting on waving away countless uh, challenges on West Ham players that looked exactly the same um, as ones that had just gone against us. But thought, no, no, we will get on to all of that, of course. Uh, but let's start with massive positives first. We've mentioned the atmosphere. Jonesy, uh, We've got to start there. Um, well, I know we've done it briefly already, so we'll only do a quick few more words on it. But it was you reckon it's the best game you've ever been to, do you, at London Stadium? Uh, best atmosphere. Um, yeah, pro- yeah. Pr- probably, probably biggest result as well. I, I don't really remember us having such a big result. Obviously, we've beaten, we've beaten everyone there now. If you, if you include City and penalties in the cup, I think we've beaten everyone there. Um, everyone of note, and that that one just stands out as just one that just just had everything. It meant a, little, a lot more because when above them, when it's third in the Premier League, it comes off the back of such a good season already. They were unbeaten for nine months in all competitions, um, and it was just Liverpool. Like it just it had everything for me, and then the atmosphere just capped it off. And yeah, I just thought. Of all the good nights, particularly under the lights, of all the good nights you've had there, that one is is a, is the very best that I've been to that I can remember anyway. Hmm. Yeah, fair enough. I've just yeah, I mean, I can't I can't really argue with anything like that. 
really. Uh, it's hard, especially after this amount of time. I, I certainly wasn't that convinced by your Leicester shout earlier in the season. This was streets better than that, I thought. I just, I, you always know, I find, when it's, and I used to find this at Upton Park. So I used to sit in the East Stand upper tier at Upton Park towards the Bobby Moore end, sort of in line with the penalty area. And uh, it's generally accepted that the East Stand was the quietest of all three stands at Upton Park. There was, the sort of people you had in there had been sitting in the East Stand for 30 or 40 years, which tended to mean they were of a certain age. Um, you know, it got going a bit. The Ipswich at home game, as everyone knows, there were games where the East Stand was just part of it and the whole stadium was one. Um, but on the whole, the rule of thumb was it was a little bit quiet. I certainly noticed it sitting there uh, when I did. Um, and you always knew, you could always tell when you looked around at, at people um, perhaps advancing in years a little bit who, who often just sit and enjoy the game uh, not wanting to stereotype at all but that tended to be when you could tell when people who would normally sit and politely applaud or, or be you know stand up only when they scored when you've got like people who are 60 65 plus around you um bouncing up and I sit next to a wonderful lady called Christine travels up from Brighton uh, every week for West Ham. Uh, she, I'm sure she won't mind me saying she, but she's at least sort of late 60s, I would suggest. And when you've got people like that around you, like, and everywhere, not just not just the people next to me, but everywhere, bouncing up and down and singing, West Ham are massive, everywhere they go. When you've got people like that around you, you know that everyone's everyone's there on the same place and everyone's been taken to that level where where football and being in a football stadium can take you. And I, I don't care, and I've said it before, and it's, it's an unpopular opinion among some people, but I, there is nothing that beats watching football in the stadium. Nothing at all. I know the views might be better and the... Uh, you know, you get VAR and you get a bit of, you get to see different camera angles of what's happened. Nothing at all, Jonesy, beats. And there's a few things in life of when events like that, when you're part of something where you're part of a mass who are all behind one thing and feeling feelings that only football can bring you. Yeah, you know, it's, it's something special and that really was. And that will be, you mentioned it there, you know, I brought up a couple of the games that I mentioned from London Stadium. That game against Ipswich is remembered forever, isn't it? The Eintracht Frankfurt at home in the uh, in Europe back in the seventies. That is one that's that's well remembered by West Ham fans for being an iconic London State, uh, sorry, Upton Park atmosphere evening. And and I think that will go down the same, won't it? The place was I just couldn't believe it, mate. It, it was like like everywhere looked like liquid didn't it because it was just movement all around you and it was upper tier lower tier all the seats were packed out which was nice um and uh yeah it was just the whole thing was like a living being and and there are few phenomena like that in the world so to see it at, uh, at london stadium and i do hope as well mate i hope that that does banish i don't know what you think mate but i hope that does that does banish for some people the idea that, you know, that will never be home and whatever. I appreciate some people are always going to, you know, and there's been, we've seen some uh, people still and accounts and organisations recently still tweeting about, you know, we want a football uh, stadium. And, and I, I sort of understand that that theory. Maybe we've, we've covered our opinion on it, that this is what we've got. And 
just happy to enjoy it at the moment and i hope some people who are somewhere in between those two schools of thought will perhaps have been that will go yeah you know what actually that's that was superb that was football that was a football atmosphere and it was a felt like a football game anyone else still sort of saying that doesn't feel like a football stadium well I don't know, you, you won't get out of it's That is better than Brighton is most weeks, for example, or better than Arsenal is for sure most weeks. And that's one of, that's built for football. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's as much, if not far more, about the people who are inside and the players on the pitch than it is, um, you know, the, if it's if it's all built nicely. That well, Tottenham won't have had an atmosphere like that this season, not even close. And there's cost a billion quid and it's the... Um, uh, it's like the best football stadium in football. I completely agree, mate. Um, we put that that game proved if if previous games hadn't already. Um, the West Ham fans can turn that stadium into one hell of an atmosphere. They they can make that stadium feel like home, not just for themselves but for the players on the pitch as well. Um. And there, there will be many going, but as you quite rightly said, that you know, it's not still not a football stadium. It's not built for football. But when you've got atmospheres like that, who cares? Mm. Like genuinely, like who cares how far away you are from the pitch? Um, when you've got atmospheres like that, and I can guarantee the people on the very side, on on the sides of the particularly on the Billy Bond stand, where they're the furthest away from the pitch on the sides, where that where they arch round, they still had a very very good. Uh, atmosphere compared to everyone else who may have been a little bit closer. The atmosphere was the same for everyone. Um, so, yeah, I think that it does put together a lot of the argument that, you know, it, it's it's not, it, it will never be a football stadium. It will never be good for West Ham. West Ham fans can't can't make any noise there because we've proven, not just on Sunday, but in previous games as well, we've spoken about it before, hmm. that we can make a racket in that stadium. It can be a really positive atmosphere and a positive um Place where place the players, to be. yeah, just for the fans, for the players, for for everyone involved in the football club. So we can make that place feel like home, and it's down to the fans to. Obviously, it does help when the team are so good. Of course, yeah, it's just everyone's um, got to do their part, haven't they? But everyone's got to play their part, and yeah, I think Sunday it all came together. And it all came mm. together on Sunday, and and it just go just proves that it can be home. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Yeah, I mean, those players must absolutely, they must not be out of weight to play there every week. If, you know, and that's that is what it's supposed to be about. That's sort of as much as they're there to entertain us and it's our club and we've gone for a long time. Well, we're there to to get behind them as well, aren't they? And, and I do think, I'm of the opinion it should, just slightly on the balance of things, it should come from the players first, I think, ultimately, because it's our money. It's our club and we're, and we're powerless-ish from the stands. But I think it's been proven countless times over the years that West Ham fans can be both the you know, the best and the easiest fans to play for and, and sometimes some of the more difficult, I would imagine. But when it's going like it is, you know, it doesn't matter the building, does it? It's the essence of the, 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 essence of the club still... It felt there again for me, just that unity among all of us, like everyone who's in that ground, just like, yeah, this is what West Ham, like being a West Ham fan's about. And the players want to play. I mean, Ben Johnson after the game, just, you know, what a, what a, what a kid, what a life. Just massive. I, I, I turned so around and he's dancing with Declan Rice when I turned around. I was walking back. Yeah. I just had to peer around to see who he was clapping. And 
there he's dead. Ben Johnson and Declan Rice having a little dance in the, in the middle of the pitch. and just I mean, like, Good on them as well. Good on them. Yeah, absolutely. It was funny, actually, mate. I don't know what you thought at the end. Because uh, it's, funny. it's funny. I'm finding it more and more difficult to get out the ground um, this season because I'm used to, like, even if we're getting tonked 4-0, leaving, like, a few minutes early, or even if we're losing 2-1 and there's a chance, I obviously stay till the end, but I'm sort of pretty much out the door fairly quickly and where my entrance is over the station side anyway right by the bridge it can be sometimes nice and easy to get out but I'm finding it a bit annoying this season because I'm like staying to clap the players for so long after the kickoff and just drinking it all in by the time I get out like 50% of the London Stadium is on the bridge ahead of me I'm like ah there's some slight drawbacks to um to winning all these these games but yeah absolutely good on them but it was funny mate I was staying a clap at the end and I was like, oh, a few of the players went down the tunnel a bit lively. I know Kufel did his customary jog round and Ben Johnson and Declan Rice were loving it and the youngsters and good on them and definitely good on them. Um, but I was like, oh, oh, you know, I could have sort of made a bit more of a thing about it. As in, you know, come round and clap as if it was a bit more like they did against City and that was a cup game. But you think, oh, a massive, huge win like that. Oh, you want them to be part of it. But then I thought, actually, you know what? Maybe you don't. Maybe that's part of the psyche now that we don't want to party and act like it's like the best thing ever to happen to us if we beat teams like that at home because that's the sort of club we are now and that's that's what we go out into games expecting to do. Big team mentality. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. I agree. I think I think it's good that they didn't all come out and start, you know, really drinking it in and sort of going. Yeah, like shirts off in the crowd. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, it's all right for one or two to come out and do it, but we don't want to be like Liverpool when they drew drew 2 2 home to West Brom and Klopp had them all in front of the cup, all with their arms <laughs> going like sort of saluting the crowd as a team, all in a line. Like, you just drawn 2 2 2 at home to West Brom. Like, why are you celebrating? Like, when was this particularly? That was that was, that was a season, I think it was his first season Klopp was at Liverpool. Right. And um, I think they were 2 0 down and they come back and drew 2 2 at home to West Brom. <laughs> And he's, he's he's got he's summoned all the players over in front of the cop and he's lined them all up. You know they all all had old, old hands and sort of yeah yeah yeah. Like yeah you do when you win the Champions League. Or yeah, whatever. and he's yeah. he's done that and they're all in front of the cop doing it and it's two two. I think if you if you Google it, there are screenshots of them doing it with the, the Sky Sports banner, the Liverpool two, West Brom two. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so we don't want to go down that route. We don't want to be like Liverpool and start celebrating just no. for the sake of celebrating. You know, yeah, it was a massive win, but no, as I said, a few like... weeks ago, we've got a bigger fish to fry. Yeah, yeah, just behind him, it's like Jonathan Greening and uh, Scott Carson or whatever, like yeah. trundling down the t- trundling down yeah. the tunnel, not even being that ecstatic with the West Brom fans away in the corner, and even yeah. they're looking at him going, "All right, lads, just a bit over the top." Even we're yeah. not, we haven't got a yeah. point at Liverpool for seventy-one years. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, mate. Um, again, brilliant, absolutely brilliant to to end Liverpool's unbeaten run. Let's talk about the West Ham positives first of all. I've done the atmosphere. Oh, ready. Um, the goals, West Ham's goals, uh, Angelo Ogbonna. Uh, I thought it was Angelo Ogbonna with the first one. Then Pablo Fornells, Kurt Zuma at the end. I believe it was credited Jonesy as, a, as an Allison own goal in the end. Um, and then, yeah, Fornells played through after a superb driving run through the midfield by Bowen, where he took three players with him and played it off to Pablo uh, before one of the great set-piece goals uh, from Kurt Zuma, I was right behind that, right in my end. Watched the corner all the way, 
onto his noggin, straight back in to the empty net. What a feeling that was. Uh, we'll start with the first one then, mate. The um, I think the tone of this is just going to be like batting away, Liverpool moanings. Uh, yeah. <laughs> be it from the players, fans or pundits or whatever, who just cannot stand to see them lose. The audacity that someone has had to actually beat Liverpool at a game of football. Um, the first one, the ball goes in. It was down your end as opposed to mine of the stadium. Uh, I just saw it go in. I thought it went straight in from the corner. Replay show it effectively did, but it, it sort of hit Alisson on the way. Ogbonna's in his vicinity. Uh, VAR checked it. And for the good of football, not just for the good of West Ham, for the good of football, gave that as a go, as it rightfully should have been. But what did you make of it sort of in, in real time? Because it was down your end. Well, yeah, I mean, where we sit on that corner, I was pretty much in line with the ball going literally on the on the goal line. Um. So we had a really good view of it and nothing in real time suggested that there was anything wrong with it. Um, my brother, just before we took the corner, he sits um, directly behind me and he, he whispered in me and said, this is going straight in, mate. And I was <laughs> like, shut fourth minute, like it's not going to happen. And it did. And like, it was it was incredible, but nothing in there that that really that really stood out. So yeah, you're right. For the good of football, I hate that role as well. Like, Goalkeepers are so protected, and Klopp come out and had a moan about it again. You know, what's the point? Shock, of shock. Like, yeah, I know. I mean, he loves a moan, doesn't he? But comes out and says, you know, well, you know, that's why goalkeepers are protected to prevent things like that. It's like what prevent a player from quite rightly trying to challenge the ball when the ball's in the air. You know, if, if a player isn't allowed to head the ball in the box in a corner, mm. just in case the goalkeeper doesn't catch it, yeah. like, like, unless he's deliberately barged him out of the way or barged him off his balance. That he hasn't. He's in front of Allison. Doesn't know where Allison is. He's not looking at Allison. He's not running at Allison. He's standing in front of him, um, and he's jumped up to head the ball. Allison happens to be just behind him, and makes an absolute horror show out of it. Like a mm. just right, the best goalkeeper in the world, apparently. I mean, come on, um, like just... yeah. But to be the best goalkeeper in the world these days, you don't actually have to be that good with your hands, do you? As That's long as you can. Do a little cross turn, and I must admit that volley he did, the volleyed clearance in the second half when it looked, the ball was played over the top, and he sprinted out to almost a halfway line and just volleyed it like over to the opposite corner flag. I was like, "Yeah, fair play, mate." Yeah, 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 fair <laughs> enough. But yeah, I think it was just absolutely nothing wrong with it. I mean, I don't even know why there was a debate after. Um, it was a fair and square goal. I could see why they were checking for the handball because his arm was quite high, hmm. but. Again, didn't handball it. Um, my only problem with the whole thing is that they didn't give the goal to four nows because um, that ball's still going in regardless of whether Alisson touches it or not. I think? Yeah, I think it is. And just like, even if it isn't, like he's barely touched it. <laughs> like, the guy's put in a, a quality corner giving the goal. Like, Why are you giving it to... The, goal, the goalkeeper doesn't want to have the own goal. Like, like four nows quite rightly said. Alisson doesn't want to kill himself with it, so let me have the goal. That's what Van said <laughs> So, yeah, I don't know, but, yeah. Well, superb start to the game, that one, uh, mate. And then we'll, we'll we'll switch. We'll go in chronological order then, then mate. Then we had, you know, I mean, I've, I've never seen a team like it, really. Just the whole the whole thing of what they are, all this beautiful football rubbish. Yeah, I mean, they've got some excellent players in there. Of course they have. But the nature and the way they go about things, it's just horrible, man. It feels very much like, you know, Man United of the 90s, that sort of thing. 
the diving was was unbelievable. And Craig Pawson just playing into their hands, mate. You know, they go the softest of touches. They go down. He was almost like quivering with like anxiety about not blowing the whistle quick enough. That's what it felt like to to give Liverpool free kicks and decisions. And I, I, I honestly, and that comes that's a proper neutral mindset as well. I've spoken to fans of other clubs and who've said the same thing. And you know, and the build up to their goal. I mean, I don't know what you thought, but it's just so like the way it's just vintage Salah, isn't it? And again, because of where he is, all right, you sort of, I think that the narrative that, well, you don't, you know, stand off him, stand off him. That's probably why he can sometimes end up looking so good because players are giving him half a yard that that perhaps for for less, yeah, I don't know, less. Uh, Keep players who are more less keen on diving than than salaries, or or more keen to actually play some good football, and make something happen, as opposed to just going down and and trying to win a win a free kick. And those any Liverpool fans giving it the big I am about Stoke, uh, you can only score from set pieces. Well, there was nothing beautiful about the way that goal was was won and scored. It's a nice free kick from Trent Alexander Arnold, of course. But the way it's the way it's won just gets glossed over, I think, doesn't it? Because he, he's a nice finish. He's done well to put it in the top corner, of course. Fabianski was a little bit disappointed with him, but I guess you've just got to guess whether he's going to go one way or the other. He thought he was going to whip it, um, and he bends just bends it in the top right corner. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's quite clear how, I, how yeah. I feel about the whole thing, mate. But there are a few people saying, well, you know, it was a foul, it was soft, but it was. But I was like, again, for the good of football, I was like, really? Is it a better spectacle? Football is better this season, is it? It's being officiated better, hands down. And is football a better game and a better spectacle if that's a foul? I don't think so. Whoever, whatever shirt they're wearing, claret and blue or otherwise. It, not in any single game is that a foul. Like, not, <laughs> like, even when refereeing was poor last season, the season before, that's not a foul. Like, everyone knows what Salah is. Everyone knows what Salah does. Not taking anything away from his talent. He is currently the best player in the world. But that's why he's the best player in the world. And you, you were bang on the money with um, uh, defenders giving him a little bit of space giving him half a yard, which is, that's why he's able to score some of those incredible goals where he runs around, puts three defenders on their backsides and then just curls one in top corners because those three defenders are giving him so much space um, and so much space being only half a yard, but he, he know he's good enough to be able to make use of that half a yard. And that's how he scores those goals because they're so, so scared to tackle it. Mm. And he had a couple of, um, couple of chances in the second half, I think, where, we, we were giving him half a yard in the box and it looked like he was going to try and get shot away and luckily we got a block in a couple of times. But with the free kick, like, it's just pathetic for me. Like, he's felt he's felt a touch on his back and that's all it was, was a touch on his back. And he's gone down like someone's kicked him in the head. And it's just like, what are you <laughs> doing, mate? Like, you know, he, he went down worse than what Henderson did when when Cresswell almost broke his legs about 10 what, 20 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, yeah, a bit, but he still like, went, he's, he's got down like, on the floor, and it's like, what are you doing, mate? And that's, that just frustrates me because you know, no one's talk, spoken about that. No one speaks about that. Um, everyone's talking about how um, the, the Creswell tackle and and the the 
Ogbonna incident with the first goal, but no one's talking about how Salah dived to, for the for their first goal. Mm. How Salah bought bought a free kick, and yeah, it's just frustrating. But you know, justice was done in the end, wasn't it? So um, yeah, yeah it's yeah. what it is, isn't it? I mean, Trent Alexander-Arnold as well. God, was I glad when when he got booked later in the game. That was quite funny anyway. But then to win after that, you know, again, a bit like you said with the old hands up in front of the cop thing. He's just equalised away at West Ham. That, and he's like coming over to the home fans, giving it all the big ones. It's one all, mate. <laughs> You're yeah. already 1-0 down. Um, yeah, because... <laughs> and then, yeah, he's massively out of position for his... Uh, for for Nails's goal later on, yeah, I've frankly I've never understood the the, the hype. Obviously, he's, he's he's a phenomenal player at, at what he's good at, um, and it's clear that Liverpool system. It's clear that you, they play with two defenders, don't they? He's not they he's not two, a defender anyway. No, they have two defenders and nine attackers, and that's their yeah. style of of football, or whatever. And obviously, it's been pretty effective in recent times. But yeah, I saw your Twitter exchange. I don't know who it was with um, about the quality of his defender. But yeah, just the, on that goal, him uh, coming up to give it big ones in that corner. So, well, it's not the winner. You haven't just made it 3-1 to Liverpool with, with five minutes to go. It's one yeah. all in the, in the first half. Like, calm down yeah. a bit. Um, yeah, so it was, it was quite enjoyable to see it all come back to bite him later in the game. Um, the Pablo Fornells goal, Jonesy, what a run from Jared Bowen. Fornell's getting a bit of credit from that. Poor from Allison again. Uh, lets it underneath him. I, I would expect he would have, or, you know, any best goalkeeper in the world would have wanted and expected to save that, I would have thought. Um, bit of a scruffy finish from Fornell's. I was a little, I did cheer and I was I was into it, but it was a little bit me worried there was offside. Um, so obviously delighted when when uh, that didn't get given. But what a run, mate, through the middle from, from Bowen to set up. And that man, again, last season, everyone was like, ah, oh, you know, singing his praises. He's the best thing since sliced bread. And I remember sort of getting a little bit of, of kickback at the time by saying, well, I think he can improve. I think his end product can get better. His decision-making can get better, et cetera, et cetera. And happy days. I mean, look at it. He definitely, definitely has. Mm. Uh, because he's been superb this season and we'll get onto it in the news roundup but the fact he hasn't got an England call up is is I think he can feel very very hard done by after that his team's third in the league he has been superb for West Ham this season one of uh, the best players of an excellent bunch I would say if not the best player um and yeah, but just on the Liverpool game we'll get onto that later what a run from him what a performance again but what a run to set up that goal I think it's one of the best assists we've had this season. Like, because he's not just taken the ball and and run what forty yards and then laid the ball off. He's he's beaten or he's outpaced three three of um what is it Andy Robertson, Fabinho, I think uh, Fabinho and Alex Oxlade Chamberlain. Oxlade Chamberlain's no mug when it comes to sp- uh, pace, and he's beaten him, beaten Fabinho, and then he's he's been able to get the ball away and. Four hours loves a scuff shot, so particularly, <laughs> yeah. particularly against Liverpool. So we'll give him that. Um, but it's, he was just class again, Bowen. Um, he just picks his moments, doesn't he? When he, when he wants to kind of just have a bit of a special moment, but then mm-hmm. outside of special moments, he's just a solid, hard-working player in the team that's just superb. And you're right, I'm a little bit a little bit surprised he didn't get the call up, but. 
Um, but yeah, his performance certainly warranted some kind of attention. Um, and that, that assist, for me, assist of the season. Is there an award for assist of the season? Because there should be. Perhaps you should do it, mate. The We Are West Ham End of Season Awards, as we always do. Yeah, a bit of a popular feature people look forward to. We'll do it. It, it came at a time as well where they were having a little bit more of the ball, Liverpool. It's one all. Um, they're a little bit more of the ball. They're, they're beginning to push us a little bit. And he's had the... He's had the... Temerity. Temerity. Audacity. I think temerity is probably, probably the word I was looking for. Like, Just call me Will the Thesaurus. Will. I, I will, will. Um, <laughs> he's, he's had the temerity to just get the ball and go, right, now let's get forward. Let's get forward. And so so is the rest of the players. So, so is his teammates. And um, to to do that at pace, have the awareness to then to lay the ball off to four nails. Um, it's a great run from four nails. Um that's why you win football games like that, because you know even when you're, you're under a little bit of pressure, I know our style is, you know, particularly in those games, counter-attack in football. But there weren't many opportunities to counter-attack before then. Um, and he's done that probably out of nothing, really. I haven't watched it back um, properly since this morning, so my memory's a little bit... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been watching it a lot since. But, yeah. Um, but, yeah. I think it just shows the the player that Jared Bowen's becoming and each and every game he's getting better and better and that's just proof of it for me. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Huge credit to him. Because um, I think he's come on leaps and bounds this season. Yeah, and we'll we'll give for now. So I'll tell you what, Jamesy, I know it's a little bit basic, but I do like the old uh, salute celebration that he does as well. Yeah. Not a lot to it, but the knee slide with the salute. I don't like Absolute. a knee slide, but the old salute. Is, uh, yeah, I do like that. Um, yeah, the then of course, Kurt Zuma, mate. I mean, that was that was different gravy. That was I know the first one was a little bit more scrappy, of course, but anyone that is almost impossible to defend against. I've been wondering for a while now, especially with Ogbonna notching a couple this season, exactly when Kurt Zuma was going to get his first go. So prolific from set pieces for Chelsea uh, under Frank Lampard. I was thinking, I oh, surely it's got to come soon, or perhaps it's just a different you know tactic uh, in the way they're attacking corners that they're using him as a decoy or whatever. But car. That was superb, absolutely superb. Emphatic is the word I would use. Brilliant corner from uh, from that that right hand side from Jared again. Superb showing from him. Floats it all the way to the back, and I say that's the corner I sit in, just at the front of the of the upper tier there, right behind it the whole way. Saw it, and as soon as it I saw the flight of the ball, and I was could see it all happening. I was like, yes, and it's one of those. I was like. Just get your head in the way and leave your head there. Don't try and head it. Yeah. Don't do anything else. That's when it skews anywhere else. And it was perfect. He just ran into its path. He was there. Let it hit him plumb in the middle of the forehead, straight back between Alison's arms, and it nestled in the corner right in front of me. And, that, and to make that 3-1 as well, absolutely superb. He was loving it. The whole fans were loving it. Controversial opinion coming up, though, Jonesy. I don't like the Zoom chant. I'm not a fan. I, I liked it when it was Samasi Abu when I was a kid, but I just don't like it. I don't, it just, Why? I don't know. It just, I don't like the noise. It kills the buzz a little bit. I associate that sound with negatives. I've heard plenty of boo sounds at West Ham over the years. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, it just, oh, I don't know. It's just not quite. 
It's your personal opinion, man. I just, I mean, anyone feel free to shoot me down in flames as they like. I'm just not a fan. I do yeah, get involved but half-heartedly. You won't get, you won't get like Zuma going. Why are they booing me like I boo did all those years ago? Used to be, you know, <laughs> yeah. So why is the fan down? Oh, no, just saying your name, mate. Like everyone, like he knows that fans ain't booing him. Um, oh, I think it's all right. Bit of harmless fun, will. Yeah, a bit uh, fun. you know, I'm a bit of a stickler for regiment and structure and rules, Jonesy. The, you know, perhaps what it is, mate, perhaps it's just that I'm a little bit worried that if I ever uh, become a Premier League footballer, and again, 30 on Saturday, so still plenty of time for it. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Do you think that if and when I inevitably scored, goal poacher as I am, uh, that everyone would just be going, pew! Because... <laughs> Basically, mate, that's the only reason I've become a professional footballer because oh, I wouldn't just like decided it against it. Yeah, yeah. So I just decided to be to be crap and average enough to only be good enough for a few years of Sunday league football <laughs> on purpose because of my surname. <laughs> <laughs> if my surname was Jones, I'd have been the hundred percent. I'd have been keeping uh, keeping Antonio out of the team at the moment. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, I'd love to say that. I mean, I've retired anyway after my goal at London Stadium one of those years ago, but um, all those months ago, should I say? But um, yeah, I can see where you're coming from, mate. I can see where you're coming from. <laughs> God, that still gives me chills. That anecdote. Um, I don't know if we covered it on the podcast, but the fact you got yourself a uh, a piece of artwork made up of that is like simultaneously admirable and the most disgusting thing I've ever heard you do. <laughs> Uh, right, Jonesy, the third Liverpool goal. Um, yeah, sorry, no, no, no. The second Liverpool goal, we got three. They only got two. Uh, Divakariki, I must admit, mate, I was sat behind it. And as same as everyone else in the stadium, I was like, oh, God, that's made me nervous. But I was like, fair play, nice finish. I just came out of nowhere. So, like, oh, yeah, no trouble. Back to goal, standing off him a bit. No problem at all. Yeah, we've got this. Bang. Oh, it's in the bottom yeah. corner. <laughs> And a uh, proper nice finish at the ball was bouncing a bit. He hit into the ground, nice and accurate. Fabiates, he didn't stand a chance. I don't really think the defending could have been too much better, really. I think he was in what looked like a safe position. And as I always say with football and opponents at West Ham play, if you're beaten by a good bit of football, I don't really mind that. And that goal compared to Liverpool's first one, I thought, yeah, that's off, fair play. That's one of the reasons why I really wanted us to sign him in the summer. I think we were linked with him a couple of times and just really wanted to see a sign him because he can come off the bench and score good goals. Um, he can start games and score good goals. I think, I think Liverpool fans are really impressed with him just because every time he plays, he does tend to get on the score sheet. Mm. And he proved with that goal. So, I mean, it's a superb finish on, on the on the swivel. Took a nice touch to set himself up and volleyed it in. And yeah, it was a superb finish and just made it unnecessarily nervous for everyone. Uh, like what last was it six minutes or whatever it was and felt like six mm. hours um, when Marno missed that header that was your end mate uh, that happened right in front of us and he came yeah. so Marno's like it, it when he headed it the ball was going away from us and so it looked like it was going in from where we were and so we only realized it hadn't gone in when we just see the ball appear on the other end going towards the Liverpool fans off the pitch and my heart stopped like generally just kind of it was all like slow motion Mm. It's what ninety first minute or whatever it was, and it's just slow motion. You just see him head the ball, and you just think, "Well, that's it, we've blown it." Yeah, 
Absolutely. and then you just see the ball yeah. just appear on the other side, and you're just like, oh my god, thank god for that. Um, <laughs> like people just fall, there's people like fall into their knees going, thank you yeah. so much, he's missed it. Um, yeah, it's just the most most horrific moment I've experienced at West Ham for a long time. Um, <laughs> it's just like, ah, yeah, it's like, don't go in. Um, yeah. but that's like when things that happen, you kind of know it's your night, don't it? You kind of just know, mm. yeah. Right, it's our, it's meant to be our day today. It's meant to be our night. Yeah, 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 for sure, mate. Yeah. For sure. It's funny. I sort of felt we played like the worst football when we were one nil up. Other than that, I thought we were we were really good. And obviously, we we dropped back a bit, and and I think uh, I'm not sure who it was. It might have even been Moisey um, or something I read in the week, just saying it was almost like West Ham didn't like. With our one nil up, they felt they had something to hold on to, and then when the shackles came off, when Liverpool equalised. In a weird way, that almost made them realise, no, we're good enough to go toe-to-toe with this lot, uh, which perhaps they didn't um, uh, before, especially when they went 1-0 up. But look, uh, Josie, they would just rattle through these last couple of bits then. Uh, just one one thing, uh, the Cresswell tackle, first of all. Now, that was right in front of me, and I thought, red, straight away. It was right in front of me. I thought, he's done the, it looked like he'd done the old scissors thing. Couldn't really tell how high it was. Um, Henderson's obviously going down as if he's been shot and yeah I just I was like oh well, that's the game over then <laughs> I'm going to mm. get home really early today because I'm going to leave now because <laughs> that's it um, and then obviously it didn't get given at the time or well, Red didn't get given at the time uh, I then just got sent a screen grab in a group chat from the TV at half time which just showed Aaron Cresswell two foot off the ground with his stud or back studs looking like they were connected with Henderson's knee. And I was like, how the hell is that not red? And then I saw the highlights when I got home and where his foot bounces off the ball, it was a freak occurrence, I thought. But once again, for the good of football, a, a good decision to, for that not to be a red. Like he, he literally bounced off the ball, which you never see, do you? He got the ball first perhaps a little bit reckless. And if it was a red, I don't think I'd be going, that's an absolute disgrace. I wouldn't like it for the good of football again, as we keep talking about. I wouldn't like it for that, but I'd go, all right, well, it's reasonably consistent-ish. You could argue that he was out of control a bit, a bit reckless, whatever. Um, what did you make of that? Yeah, it was a weird one for us because where we were on the ground, it was it. we didn't see the high foot from our angle. So we just saw him just clatter into... Um, Henderson but win the ball and we just thought what a superb tackle that is mm, um, yeah. we didn't see it being what it was um, so we were a little bit baffled at our end of the stadium going why are they checking that for a red card like, what's going on there like, it looked like he won the ball um, but then you see the replay and I mean any tackle can be made to look worse than it is with a screenshot like yeah I was just, for sure yeah. like, um, I mean if you had the screenshot set in the first half you'd think he'd been killed um, but <laughs> If you screenshot him on the floor. Yeah. Just, oh, poor, poor Mohamed Salah. He's died. Yeah, yeah. R.I.P. Um, yeah. But but with this one, you're absolutely bang on again. Like, <laughs> he, 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 did, he, did, he did bounce off the ball. I've seen the, I've seen the argument that, you know, regardless of whether it was intentional or not, and it was unlucky that he bounced off the ball, he's out of control of his of his body. He's out of control of the tackle. So, therefore, it is, it is dangerous play um, in, in endangering mm. an opponent. Um, but I would argue that he's only he's, he's only out of control 
of his body when his foot bounces up away from the ball and he kind of loses a little bit of balance and loses a bit of momentum in a tackle. Um, that's when he's, that's the only time he's out of control, um, which isn't really his fault. He hasn't gone in, maybe slightly recklessly, but it's what, the eighth minute, you're 1-0 up already against Liverpool in front of your home crowd, you're buzzing. Mm. Um, you probably do go in the tackle a little bit harder than what you would normally. Um, so, yeah, I think, as you said, if he if he did get sent off, I'd have been like, yeah, I can see why he's been sent off there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then I can also see why VAR looked at it and went, actually, and I saw it for actually what it was, which yeah. is really pleasing and just gone. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, bit bit of a bit of a strong tackle, but he's never meant that. He's never meant that. So, mm. um, so yeah, I mean, they didn't even get booked. I don't think, which did surprise me. Mm. Um, well, I think they only checked for. Yeah, but they only checked for like red, didn't they? The ref like just gave it for whatever he gave it for, and the, then not, not even the Lino flagged for the free kick. Yeah, yeah, and it was right. We he was were right saying there, that. Yeah. We were saying that when they're doing the VAR check, we were saying, well, we couldn't have been that bad. The Lino was right in front of it and didn't didn't even mm. wave his flag. Um. So yeah, but I, I did. You're right. They probably do only check for the red card, but it was probably a yellow at most. I think. Yeah, but mate, I don't even think. I think, like, you know, if it's not a red, then he's got a. But anyway, whatever. Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? Yeah, it went yeah. for us, didn't it? And uh, happy days. Yeah, and I said, Jonesy, uh, they just want to note the. We'll end on this note rather than start it. But um, from what I've seen on Twitter, anyway, the reaction from Liverpool fans and maybe football fans generally. But if you just compare that to the reaction to Man City fans after the League Cup game the other week, where arguably they had more to lose. What a record they had in that competition. And the the general tone of reaction to their team's defeat between Liverpool and Man City fans, I've noticed it on Twitter. I would say there is a gulf, is how I would describe it, between the reactions of the two sets of fans. I'm talking about Twitter, so let's be very clear here that Twitter is not an accurate reflection of how normal functioning members of society act <laughs> and feel about stuff. Um, I even text one of my Liverpool fans who I'm going out with on Thursday and said, I'm sorry for the, what an insufferable bloke I'm going to be Thursday. I, I try not to, but this rarely happens. I'm absolutely loving it at the moment. I totally understand if you don't want to be friends afterwards. So apologies in advance. He was very gracious about it. Said, ah, you know, don't worry, mate. You deserved it. It was a great game. What a cracker, blah, blah, blah. Uh, my other mate, who's my best and oldest mate, um, yeah, literally my longest serving friend, and uh, yeah, Liverpool fan, um, haven't heard from him. So, <laughs> but what did you, what have you sort of made of the reaction just as far as Twitter goes? We're taking it with the pinch of salt in that it is Twitter. I mean, football fans, it's football fans for you, isn't it? And it's people on Twitter for you. It's uh, when you're on Twitter, it's just like a, a, a at all just to vent your frustration. I mean, I've done it many a time. I did it after the Brentford game about the ref and <laughs> so many times. Um, but you do your vent and you kind of say things that probably kind of just, you probably don't even believe at the time, but you're just so angry about a certain thing that's happened or the result or whatever. But then at the same time, particularly in the case that I've seen after the Liverpool game is that you just get ahead of a lot of people that have no idea what they're talking about they've they've either 
they've either not watched the game or they've watched the game on Sky. Um, and from the from or they've been know, sent a screenshot. Or they've been sent a screenshot. Um, you know, you know like anti football one and just stuck to me on the ball. And oh, you got lucky because you scored two goals from two corners, and even one of those was a bit dubious. It's like, well, this was a set piece that shouldn't been awarded. Well, well, sorry, but what we're not allowed to score corners against Liverpool is that where did they bring that rule in? Yeah, our goalkeeper's only good with his feet, like it's a bit yeah. unfair actually that you put aerial balls in, expect him to use his hands. Did they, did they? Forget to check VAR when we scored the two corners. Um, go, oh no, we need to rule those goals out because they were corners. Yeah, like you're not allowed <laughs> yeah, to score yeah, corners yeah. Liverpool. Like, yeah. and just little, little comments like that, and just going, oh, you're lucky. And just, but then I did get a few, a few um, guys that I work with actually um, who are Liverpool fans tweet me, um, go, oh, you know, well played. Um, it might. I am their boss, so that might be a little bit different. To be fair, but <laughs> yeah, you're not gonna have a go at me on Twitter, but. But they did, but they were like, yeah, fair play. And, yeah, well played. But I think, you know, the difference between, you mentioned City there, the difference between City fans and Liverpool fans, not just on Twitter, but in general, I think is that City fans don't feel entitled about the situation at their football club. They've been where we are. Yeah. They've been where we were. They've been below. They, they were in Division 2. Yeah, yeah. Um, they know what it's like to be rubbish, um, but they also know what it's like to start climbing up and being a little bit better all of a sudden and then and start, you know, being really good and be, being in the top four. Whereas Liverpool, more often than not, have only known good things. And so there is that sense of entitlement amongst the Liverpool fan base. And that's not like a, a cheap dig at the Liverpool fan base. I generally believe that's true. And that's it's the same at Man United. You know, I saw a Man United fan tweet the other day going, oh, I'm thinking of stopping Sporting United because I'm sick and tired of the, the performances. It's like, mate, what are you talking about? Yeah, like, like you've really not suffered at all. You really haven't. Maybe that's um, what um, your little boy will be like with West Ham, no Jonesy, and all of his mates when they're going in thirty years or whatever. If we come second one year, he'll be like getting on Twitter. That's it. I'm not going anymore. I'm sick and tired of this at West Ham. We've only come second. We haven't won the champ. We only got to the final of the Champions League this year. This is an absolute joke. We've only won the League Cup and got to yeah, the Cup final. But I, I can. I can sit him down and show him old, old DVDs, if DVDs are still a thing back in, in the future. Wait, they're not even a thing now. What the hell are you talking well, about? I mean, <laughs> I, I, just, I have to buy like a £500 DVD player. To yeah, yeah, yeah. Just show him, just sit him down and have like the old season reviews they used to sell on DVD and just go, right, yeah. these are the years where we were rubbish hmm. and your dad suffered during these years. So just remember, what you know, we're good now, but... Stay you're grounded, son. Stay you're not grounded. entitled to this. You're not entitled to this. You know, we've earned this for your for your benefit. Mm. So, um, but Liverpool haven't really had that, have they? So, they, their fans are relatively entitled, and you know, I think. Yeah, they haven't even got the dads sitting them down, have they? Going, look, when I was young, we were crap. It was like, no, nah, actually, when I was your age, we were pretty good then as well. So, <laughs> if, if anything, if anything, when the dads was their age, they were better. They were winning league titles quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's just, yeah, yeah. This weird the entitlement doesn't come from the last like twenty years, rather than it's like, oh, well, yeah, we'll talk about the seventies and the eighties. We'll ignore the nineties and the early two thousands. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but hey, yeah. whatever. Look, Jonesy, we're an hour and ten minutes into this recording, um, and we've we've done the introduction and covered one West Ham game in a week where there's two to talk about, um, as well as the West Ham women and the general news roundup. I hope you haven't got bored. 
so far listening at home. Uh, I'm sure you haven't because I'm having a jolly nice time uh, having a chat about how good West Ham are, uh, how massive West Ham are. Flipping love that chat as well, but that chant taking off the West Ham are massive. <laughs> what an absolutely superb addition to the West Ham United fans' repertoire that is. But look, that's enough of the Liverpool game now. It felt to me a little bit like that song was born. Uh, at Genk away, the West Ham are massive. I was lucky enough to be at that game. Uh, a huge milestone in my personal life, but another great chapter in uh, the chapter of... Um, no, what am I saying here? Right, Josie, give me a hand here. Another great chapter in in the story that West Ham are writing this season. Is that all right for the narrative? Yeah, I like that. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Delivery, four out of ten, but overall sentiment, nine. Eight and a half. Let's not get carried away, mate. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, stay humble. Stay humble. (laughs) Remember when? Remember the days when you were crap at analogies. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, enough of this. uh, Genkaway reaction next. said it already Jonesy watching West Ham away in Europe has been a dream of mine for as long as I've supported West Ham on most of the away grounds in the country with West Ham at one point or another it's always just like you've been a huge part of my life um, and the there's always something special about away wins and away grounds and going to away games and away atmospheres and all that sort of thing being in the minority etc etc and having the absolute privilege uh, last week to be able to get out to Genk with my dad, who I was always going to football, who I've always gone to football with uh, since I was very young, and watch West Ham play away in European competition was something else, mate. Um, yeah, just superb stuff, absolutely superb. The it was a brilliant game, a really entertaining affair. Um, Belgium, an half a strange place. We drove out there. Uh, me and my dad got the Euro Tunnel. Um, a nice little drive, about six hours each way, I think, in total, roughly. Um, and yeah, just like great little hotel, not too long, not too far away. Genk's a bit of a strange place. Um, but yeah, really nice stadium. Uh, atmosphere, considering the amount of fans that were in there from Genk, which wasn't loads, I don't know what their average attendance is, to be fair. Um, so that may have been as good as it gets for them anyway. Um, but I thought the atmosphere they created was really good. Uh, we, we were sat in, in that corner of, uh, with all the away fans, of course. And yeah, it's just phenomenal, mate. I'll never, ever forget it. And it was a brilliant game of football. And even when Thomas Suchek scores the own goal at the end, like I say, it didn't dampen any of it for me. It just felt more than that. And given the, the context and the backdrop. Uh, against which the game came. That's the West Ham gone unbeaten in their first four. I did have a tweet that I put out before the game, which aged absolutely appallingly. Um, West Ham looking to... It's basically one of those, you know, when you just like tweet something with a couple of pictures to show off that you're there. Yeah. I'm not not going to sugarcoat it. That's exactly what was going on. Um, Yeah, West Ham about to kick off and try and become the first English club ever to win their first four Europa League games without conceding a goal. Um, and then, yeah, just as soon as I've got enough signal for that tweet to actually go out, four minutes later, Joseph Pantsil, um gave me shivers because I thought it might have been Jonathan Pantsil, 
come back to haunt us, puts Genk 1-0 up after four minutes. I was like, well, uh, it's annoying we're 1-0 down and I already know that I'm probably going to get more reactions to that tweet just based on how appallingly it's aged. And sure enough, as soon as I logged on, just a load of people going, well done, mate, you're not allowed uh, your phone for the next game. Da-da-da. You might even been one of them, I think, Jonesy. Yeah, I said, I'm confiscating your phone in, in Vienna. It's not <laughs> Exactly, mate. Exactly. So, um, yeah, that was uh, that was uh, quite funny. But well, yeah, what an occasion, mate. What an occasion. Um, what did you What did you make of it from home? And uh, we'll have a little chat about Genk, shall we? Yeah, I thought the first half was um, uncharacter- uncharacteristically West Ham. It was it was almost like watching the West Ham of old at times. Um, and I'm I'm putting it down to the fact that. Tired. I know we made a lot of changes, but I think I think the team were a little bit tired. Um, maybe, maybe went in a little bit complacent and got caught off guard. Um, having beaten them three 0 only two weeks earlier, they're in a bit of a bad place domestically. Um, maybe a little bit of complacency in there, but I thought Genk was superb in the first half. I thought they they were a different team. Yeah, yeah. I think it just caught everyone a little bit. They needed half time to come after ten minutes just so they could regroup and just go right. Okay, where are we going to do with this? But I thought going going at one nil, I thought was was a bit of a blessing because it could have been three or four. I think that pencil he kind of he got clobbered about what a minute before and he'd gone down like he. A little bit like Salah does, gone down and hurt his, hurt his leg. And then a minute later, he's sprinting in beyond Diop and, and, and scoring. It's like, oh, his leg's recovered then, is it? Oh, God, that <laughs> oh, wasn't as bad as you made out, mate. Yeah, <laughs> what happened there, mate? Julia. Right. Um, poor defending from Diop, by the way. Like, for me, I just, I, he should have seen him running oh, behind him. I haven't even seen the highlights, to be honest, mate. I haven't really seen poor. the he got, back. He got well and truly beaten. Um, just didn't read the just didn't read the ball. You could see it coming a mile off, and by the time he'd read it, the pencil was in behind him. Hmm. Um, just really poor defending. But in the end, did, did well to come back. And that second goal from Ben Rahman in the second half, just outrageous, just hmm. outrageous. Um, and then, yeah, Suchek, bless him. I think it's probably his thirtieth own goal for us. <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely... it just headers, doesn't he? Doesn't yeah. he? Like... Click where he is, he just headers whatever's in front yeah. of him. Love him, love him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it's sort of, I mean, Cyberarm was superb all night. It was, you know, it's one of his best games for us. I thought he was absolutely brilliant. Obviously, he scored two goals. I thought his first goal was, um, uh, was really nice as well, to be honest. Uh, uh you know, they, it, I'm getting, I'm not getting them mixed up here. The first one was the one swept it in from the edge of the box, wasn't it? Yeah, that was super far down, where, super like, far down the right. Cuts yeah, it back to it. Ben Rahman. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, I thought that was that was a really nice, well worked goal as well. I thought we looked a little bit sluggish, but I think it's one of those, mate. Where certainly in the first half, you've just got to say fair play to the opposition, which happens sometimes, isn't it? It's easy yeah. to just look at your own team, but yeah, they were they were like a team possessed. I, I thought they were they were superb, and you've got to take your hat off them for that. More than warranted uh, their first goal, and I think if we're if we're all honest, Josie, I don't think anyone can begrudge Genk a draw. I thought all of their players played pretty well. They all put in a good shift. They were playing some nice, swift, fluid football. Um, and if anything, all that would have been brilliant for us when, uh, you know, when we get the, the the second in the 82nd minute and you think, oh, blimey, brilliant. You know, how good is this coming back from behind to watch us win 1-0 away in Europe? Superb. Um, <laughs> put through his own net. 
it was almost like you know it was it was a little bit of comedy in it it was a great occasion anyway and the fact that it doesn't matter too much for our chances of qualification really or you hope anyway i don't speak too soon but let's be honest yeah, we have qualified don't we just guaranteed yeah so i mean winning the group or whatever yeah. you know i mean it's one of those things isn't it you got to try and stay a bit pragmatic but um you'd hope that we'd be able to get enough points to get over the line to to win the group as well um but just from a purely independent, pragmatic point of view, I'd say Genk deserved a draw out of that. 100%. 100%. 100%. <laughs> they would have felt really, really hard done by had they not got that equaliser. Because um, particularly in the first half, they fully deserved it. Obviously, we, we, deserved, we deserved it in the second half, but they should have scored four or five in the first half. So, mm. yeah, I think, I think a draw in the end, and it, I was like you, really. I was kind of just kind of like, oh, that's a little bit frustrating that we haven't won that. But, Oh well, like <laughs> just for the first time, you know, when you when you can see the late goal and you start, oh, normally it feels like a defeat, doesn't it? It mm. feels like a defeat, but that didn't. It just felt like, oh, okay, fine, that's a shame. Yeah. We move on. With one one drawn, one away in Europe. All right, yeah, start, one or oh, two well. home games. Right, okay, and, <laughs> and, the, and the fact is, because we won our first three games so so well, it kind of that's why drawing two two at Genk conceding a late equaliser it kind of just felt just so blah just like whatever like yeah, yeah. We, we've already qualified we've just got to make sure we win the group and I, I think we will so yeah I mean it was good for Genk to get that point it, I think it still keeps them in with a chance of qualifying as well so mm. keeps the group a little bit open um, for everyone else and so you know we can say that we've, we've had a really good group stage we've also done everyone else a favour as well by not winning it all winning them all yeah, yeah, exactly. And it will make those other games between the, the three remaining clubs more competitive, won't it? They've uh, obviously Genk still got to play Rapid Vienna and uh, Dinamo Zagreb as well. And really, we want those games to be teams going hell for leather against each other, don't they? Because um, that obviously plays in into our hands. But yeah, it was, mate, it was an absolutely phenomenal occasion. I mean, me and you are heading out to Vienna in a few weeks' time, which is I'm so excited about that. And I know we've sort of been an hour and a bit about it before, but that trip, I was like, yes, we've got to go. Even though it might sort of, you know, obviously it will hopefully seal our status as group winners or whatever. Um, but yeah, the whole occasion, mate, there's something, it was magical, absolutely magical. The fans in that corner, um, what was there, 1,500-ish uh, West Ham United fans, uh, were superb, sort of non-stop singing the whole way through. And you could just see, mate, it's just such a nice place to be. There was just joy on everyone's faces. Um, yeah, just absolutely lovely stuff. Not, I didn't see any trouble from where I was. You know, I might be uh, perhaps, I know, a bit naive. I haven't seen too many reports or anything of, of anything like that. We'll get on to a couple of the, uh, the, the main news lines that come out of the game shortly. Um, but overall, the atmosphere felt felt really nice uh, and positive. The West Ham fans seemed like they were enjoying it. Saw a little bit of um, sort of unpleasantness afterwards, but uh, from a, a West Ham fan, who I just think it just had far far too many beers. I think a little bit of a scuffle with stewards and security staff outside, but, but in the grand scheme of things, that got dealt with pretty quickly. Um, and yeah, just just brilliant, mate. Like a, a great thing to have been able to done from a personal point of view, uh, but from the club as well. It's just superb, mate. It's just dreamland, isn't it? Just going mm-hmm. away, top of the Europa League group can be going any better. So uh, yeah, looking forward to to Vienna, mate. Are you? Yeah, I can't wait. 
I can't wait. I'm, I'm looking forward to doing it properly as a fan. I've said did it in one of our qualifiers with um, with Betway flew out there on the team plane, flew back on the team plane, and just um, NK Domzali. Yeah, and Domzali and Slovenia and lovely couple of days in uh, Ljubljana, the capital over there, and that's great. And see Betway was so good to to invite me onto that. But going over there as a proper fan, proper tickets. Um, yeah, absolutely buzzing and um, just looking forward to spending a couple of days with you as well, mate, because we're, oh, we're doing what we're doing Thursday to Saturday. So we'll have, we'll have a little bit a little bit of time to do a bit of sightseeing as well. Yeah, proper cute, wasn't it? We were romantic. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> buzzing for it. Yeah, uh, absolutely, mate. I just want to give a massive um, shout out as well and a thank you to um, Chad and the charity uh, our charity partner Betway, of course, for um, for sorting us out, the uh, for sorting me and, and my dad out for for this game. Like, we made our own way over there and all that. Not quite team plane. We're obviously not VIPs as much as you are, Jonesy. But um, yeah, sorting us out the the entry to the game and stuff. And this is unconfirmed, mate. Unconfirmed. But as far as I'm aware, and from what I could see, I think Josh Cullen was sitting. Uh, a few rows down from me, uh, which was which was quite cool. So unconfirmed, but I was almost certain uh, makes sense. that it was him. Plays his football in Belgium, doesn't he? So makes sense. Yes, yes, of course. Yeah, he's at Anderlecht. That makes perfect sense, isn't it? Yeah, would, lovely. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, that makes way more sense now. Before, I just thought, oh, that's cool. He's come out to support the team or whatever. He still obviously loves West Ham. But yeah, now he actually plays down the road. Yeah. <laughs> makes, I'm, I'm way less stunned by it than I was before. I was like, oh, bloody, that's impressive. The bloke's like driven an hour and a half. <laughs> um, yeah, look, Josie, a couple of the news stories then from that Genk away game. Um, I think we'll start. We'll start with the lighter one uh, and then end on, well, not lighter one, it depends which way you come it from, I suppose. Um, the finger that got lost. Most fans listening to this, I'm sure, will have seen the video, some of the footage of a fan at the front of um, the away end uh, losing his, his finger in the goal celebrations. Now, where I was sat, I was sat in that corner but raised up a little bit. So I could, I was basically looking right down on where that happened. And after the goal went in, I could see a bit of commotion. And there was one person at the front of the gate shouting and gesticulating towards what I first thought were police or stewards. Then I saw the red crosses on the back and saw they were medics. And there was a lot of like gesticulation. And immediately, given what's happened recently, it happened again at Dagenham and Redbridge last night. In the FA Cup, a man was taken ill. Happened at Newcastle the other day. We've seen it with Christian Eriksen in the summer, etc., etc. Uh, I just assumed, oh no, I'm going to look in the thing and someone's going to have a heart attack or an illness of that kind. Someone's going to collapse. It was just after a goal, you know. Yeah, blood pressure goes up and excitement levels go up. I was like, oh, that's, I don't want to see that. That's not very nice. Got a horrible feeling. Looking in the crowd and I couldn't see anything. It was just the one bloke at the front who was gesticulating towards these Red Cross people. Everyone else was celebrating the goal. It wasn't like a patch of fans, which you expect to see with like where a few people are all still or there's a gap created or anything. Nothing like that. I was like, oh, that's peculiar. I was watching it for a bit and it just seemed like, I was like, oh, I don't know. Perhaps he's like dropped his phone or perhaps he just wants to get out. I don't know. You couldn't tell. It was like, oh, it can't be that bad then. And the, the, the medics weren't doing any, they didn't look particularly lively or concerned or whatever. It just looked like a, a conversation of one overexcited West Ham fan chatting to four medics who didn't really sort of seem to think anything was urgent. 
it's only afterwards I saw the footage and it, at first I was like, oh, that's fake. But then it kind of made sense with what I'd seen. Um, and yeah, a fan lost his, lost the tip of his finger at the front of um, that away. And I can only assume uh, by having his hand in the railings um, and then, you know, getting barged about or whatever it may have been. I don't know if you've seen anything more, Jones, but obviously, first of all, just to say our, you know, really our thoughts and well wishes go out to to the fan involved and, and hope you're making a swift recovery. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if you know any more about that, Jonesy. Well, I mean, I don't... I've been sent... I've been forwarded the picture of the fan's finger. He's in hospital. Um, yeah. It's yet to be... So it's literally considered bone sticking out and it's, yeah, it's very yeah, I, I think I saw that. Um, Horrendous. And, um, I mean, I've seen it before. My mate, my mate lost a finger. It's funny enough, after, after a West Ham game, um, slipped while jumping over a fence, lost his finger. Very similar thing. So, and I got sent the picture. So I'm kind of used to seeing people with no fingers, which is weird. But, oh, God. I looked at it closely and realised that it's his ring finger, his wedding ring finger. And straight away, really? Yeah, it's ah. his. So, I mean, if he's married, I don't know how old the guy was or who, who the guy was, but straight away, he kind of putting two or two together. He's he's grabbed onto the railings, his, his rings caught, his, and he's basically pulled his finger off um, with the force of it, and his ring hasn't helped. And it, straight away, made me, I held my ring finger and my oh, wedding ring and just yeah. thought, oh, God, like that must be so painful. And then I thought, oh, if, if it is his ring finger, his wife must be livid because he hasn't got a ring finger anymore. Because um, I know Lucy <laughs> did, but I didn't have one. So surely yeah. she'd let you off if your whole flipping finger got ripped off. It's so stupid celebrating a goal. That's what I'd get probably. It's a way in Europe. What are you talking yeah, about? Well, that's, that's I'm, I'm, I'm glad my fingers come off actually. Because if you're going to be like that, I don't want to be married to you anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that's what happened. I think I think that's. I mean, I might be white, I might be way off the mark, but it is his ring finger on his left hand. It, kind of putting two and two together. I think that's probably what's happened. He's got it caught in the railings and having a ring on has only increased the chances of his ring, his, his finger being pulled yeah. off. Yeah, not nice that. Not nice no. at all. But um, yeah, I don't know who it is. Anyone who does know him who's listening to this podcast, do send uh, the guy our best wishes. Um, I assume he's, well, I don't know whether he'd still be over there, perhaps, but obviously he'd have gone to hospital there. But um, yeah, we send him our best wishes. Uh, hope you're feeling better soon. Um, hope there's the lasting effects aren't too severe. I imagine. They might be, but um, yeah, just best wishes from me and Josie uh, on the We Are Sam podcast. Yeah, James, and there's um, there's one thing that we do, and apologies to, to the guy it was who I'm sure won't feel like um, his issue was the more lighter of the two. And uh, yeah, I apologise, perhaps I worded that slightly wrong. Um, but unfortunately, um, there was some footage, James, that came uh, from the a plane on the way to Belgium, I believe, um, which appeared to show up because this is a the, I think I believe there was an arrest made at some stage. I'm going to be deliberately careful with with the wordings of these things here. There was an alleged offence um, that took place on a plane footage emerged, which appeared to show. Uh, a West Ham fan or group of uh, chanting the well-known anti-Semitic uh, song, which has in years past was sang uh, among West Ham fans and perhaps fans of other clubs as well, but certainly West Ham fans towards Tottenham fans on the whole relating to uh, 
the sort of large portion of of Jewish fans that their club has historically had. Now, again, we do have to be a bit careful of uh, of this while it's maybe still an ongoing police matter. But the the video kind of speak for itself. Whether it ends up there being a criminal offence or not, we're not so sure. Um, but un- until 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 sort of things are played out as they do in the criminal process, it would be unwise of Jonesy and I to to give too much opinion on it. Um, certainly, just you know media law things and uh, just make sure you know, if they, if it ever gets a sort of trial or anything like that, we don't know that at this stage, but. Suffice enough to say that um, if it does prove to be what it appears to be, it's where it's not something that um, neither James or I would even come close to condoning. It'd be completely the other way. It would be condemnation. Um, but as I say, we've noticed it's happened. Uh, we've seen it. I think because it's a police matter, Jonesy. Um, it's just sort of we can't make any sort of other comments on on that sort of thing. But lots of the fans leaping to the man's defence. Whatever happens, criminal or not, it would not have been a nice position for for the man to have been in. Uh, a fella that seemed to look on his own, um, just get picked on. But. We've seen it. We have to sort of let things uh, develop a little bit more first before we can give too much opinion on it, James. I think that's that's sort of wise, isn't it? Hundred um, percent. I think uh, everyone's had their say on social media about it. Um, I mean, it's just very, very disappointing that you know a, a big, a big night in Europe, which it was has kind of potentially been marred by something like that. So it's just disappointing, really, from the way I see it, that mm. we're having to talk about this and we're having to sort of mention it. And it's just, it just shouldn't be happening. It just shouldn't, no. shouldn't be happening. Um, that, that's, it's, it's old. Uh, it's it's out of date, that song now, isn't it? Like, I know it's not about, like, it's just it's just done, isn't it? There's it's no not place even banter. anymore. It's not even banter. No. You can't even go, oh, it's just a bit of a laugh. It's like, it's not, like, it's not funny. It's, Beyond um, being, yeah. The, the, the days are gone when people would turn a blind eye to that, and you could you could sing it in the terraces, and it'd be funny for a little bit, and you could wind your mates up with Tottenham fans or whatever, and and it'd be something that you sing. But you just can't do that anymore. It's, no. it's much, Even looking, regardless of whether you agree with the fact you can't sing about sing sing about it anymore or not, like the fact is you can't. You can't. It's yeah, offensive. Yeah, exactly. Nor should you. Yeah, yeah. Um. So therefore, like, just don't sing it because you. Mm. Like, if you do, the chances are someone's going to have a video phone because everyone carries a video camera with them these days. Hmm. It's yeah. like everyone has a video camera. Chances hmm. are you're going to get recorded. It's going to end on social media and you're probably going to end up in trouble. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. What's the point? yeah. If what's the point? Again, I mean, if there, if there isn't any sort of moral thing in you that would steer you away from doing that, which you'd hope there would be and there should be in this day and age. Yeah. If you, even if you're only worried about getting in trouble, just, don't on there's so many reasons why not but look um once we, things develop a bit more perhaps we'll have our say on it again but just wanted to make it abundantly clear where what side of the the issue even if there are sides but if you know there are what what side of the fence me and jonesy and the we are west Ham podcast sit on no room for anything like that um it's not stuff we want to see at our club or uh among the fans and on the terraces and stuff especially for just random members of the public like that but look Overall, Genkaway, superb experience personally and for the club as well. A point, four games in Europa League, unbeaten, guaranteed qualification. Need one more win, I think, Jonesy, to win the group. And then yeah. 
straight through to the the last 16 of Europe with the potential of a nice meaty tie. And I've still got my fingers crossed for Barcelona. Happy days with Genk. Stay with us. Betway Charity Bets next. No winners for me, James and Reese in the Betway charity bets for the Liverpool game. Unfortunately, I was getting a bit of stick for suggesting Mo Salah would score in both halves. Although the third part of my bet was still West Ham to win or draw. So at least that bit came in. But Salah did not get a sniff thanks to the superb tactical display uh, that David Moyes and his men put on uh, some of the content that came out afterwards of David Moyes on West Ham's Instagram, by the way, just falling in love with the man. What a superb, superb bloke he really is. But just a reminder um, to those of you maybe new to the podcast um, or just a reminder to those of you who have forgotten the Betway charity bets, me, James and Reese Bayliff, who's having a period of time away from the podcast at the moment. We still place a £50 charity bet each week on West Ham, each and every one of West Ham's Premier League games provided to us by Betway. Um, and the winnings to any of those bets go towards the three West Ham linked charities that me and the boys are playing for. I'm playing for the Bobby Moore Fund. Uh, James Jones is playing for the DT38 Dylan Tombides Foundation. And Reese is playing for Isla's Fight. Um, so far this season, we've had a pretty good year so far, Jonesy. The money's been rolling in. Not this about personal accolades, of course, but uh, you are yet to win a single penny. <laughs> your Betway charity bets but it isn't about that uh, it is about the amount of money in total that we've got coming in and we've raised a few grand already but just before we, we do that recap Jonesy can you remind us what the bets were for that Liverpool game uh, who was closest yeah sure so uh, we'll start with me um, I had draw at half time West Ham to win at full time so that one came in uh, Antonio to score assist, Big X, and Jared Bowen to score any time, Big X. So just a one out two there. I was quite proud I got that one. Draw at half time, West Ham to win at full time. I thought that was a, that was a nice call. Um, yeah, that's a nice touch. Right? The odds would, what was your was odds that? for that? That was 20 to 1 all in, um, which oh. I was disappointed with, to be fair. I thought there'd be a little bit more, but 21, 20, 20 to 1 in it. So a little mm. bit nice for that came in. Uh, Reese did both teams to score, got that right. Suchet to score any time, not to come in, and he's still going for penalty to be awarded. Still not coming in. Um, yeah, he loves but, that bet, doesn't he? I think he's done it every week yeah. for the last four or five weeks. Yeah, he's, he's done it every week since Mark Noble missed the penalty. We've not had one since. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we don't need him anymore, do we? Ah. Uh, um, and you had West Ham to win or draw and Mohamed Salah to score in both halves. Yeah, I think I did, yeah, first half and second half. So it was a three-legged bet in, in total. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, 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 just, won I, just that, though, which, which I thought that was going to be I thought that was going to be a lot smaller. The West Ham yeah. to win or draw bumped the odds up a little bit, but 33 to 1 if that had come in. But no, you got mm. West Ham to win or draw right, but no, no luck from Salah. I honestly, I, I did just have a feeling it was going to be like a 3-2, a, 3-all a sort of, <coughs> excuse me, sort of game. I could see us playing well, and it, the game kind of played out. I thought slash hoped it might. I'm saying that as if I, there wasn't a significant part of me thinking we might lose 4-0, because uh, <laughs> there certainly was one of those. But, um, yeah, no, I'd, I'd say, obviously, delighted Salah didn't score, but I just thought, ah, oh, 
I sort of had a feeling he would. He was due a go and scored, I think it's four games he hasn't scored for. Um, so I was like, oh, yeah, he's probably due one. He does love one against West Ham as well. So at least if I can win some money for Betway out of it and West Ham get a win or a draw, then happy days all round. But not to be this week. No Betway charity bets next week. Jonesy is there. Uh, I don't know if you've got the overall summary of stuff, uh, what we've won so far in front of you. I'm sure you can get it up pretty quickly. If not... Um, but, yep. yeah, no bets coming up this week uh, because the international break, of course. Um, but, yeah, what have we done so far, James? So, as you already mentioned, I'm on a big fat zero still. Um, you've got 1,225 in the bank. Reese has got 525. Um, as bet why I'm matching, whatever we win at the end of the season, it means that in the part, including bet why matching it, we've got £3,500 for charity so far. Nice one, nice one, mate. It's pretty good going. Yeah, that adds to the 12 and a half grand that we raised last season. So 16,000 quid over the last, just over the last year for charity through this podcast, mate, which is absolutely superb stuff. Um, Yeah, thanks again to Betway. And as always, uh, just a reminder that you can back any of our bets yourself for real on the Betway website and app each and every week. You just go to the uh, preceding West Ham game. Uh, obviously, last week it would have been Liverpool and a couple of days before the game kicks off, uh, you can go on there and find those bets under the We Are West Ham bets under pre-built bets. And it'll have my name, James Jones's name and Reese Bayliss is on there. If you like the sound of them on the pod, you can back those for real. Uh, James, we finally started rattling through some sections after spending an hour and 10 minutes on the introduction and just that Liverpool game. Uh, the next one could be a long one. We'll try and keep it a little bit concise if we can. We're going to do a general news summary. We're going to have a look at Ogbonna's injury, what that could mean for the season, our January transfer plans, an improvement to Declan Rice's play that I've noticed that I would like to see from him over the next few weeks, despite the belief that he is already the complete footballer. And... We'll read out some uh, nice recent comments and reviews and fan messages that we've had from you lot because we want to take the time to say how much we appreciate those and all the ones that have come in in recent weeks. All of that next. Angelo Bonner, James, anterior cruciate ligament, knee ligament injury for the layman amongst us. Um, yeah, it sort of seemed a little bit to come out of nowhere, didn't it? It seemed fairly innocuous. Weirdly, I think he got like elbowed in the face at the same time, which again, VR didn't look at. Um, and no punishment for the Liverpool player involved there. I'm not sure. I might be completely wrong in saying it was the same challenge, Jonesy, but albeit the one that did uh, see Ogbonna go off, seemed, from where I was, to be fairly innocuous. He did come on, come back on, which seems surprising given the fact it's a ACL. Um, he came back on for a short period and then couldn't do it. And then, I'll just say as well, massive hats off to Craig Dawson, uh, standing up and, and there to be counted against what people would argue is the best attacking lineup in the Premier League, didn't put a foot wrong and I didn't notice there was nothing about his performance and maybe nervous at all. Hats off to Craig for that. But that old Bonner injury, Jonesy, is sort of two ways of looking at it, really. I mean, it could be a season ender. I don't know. It's going to be months, of course, rather than weeks with something like that. He's tweeted saying, you know, he's a fighter and he's looking 
forward to getting back and what a season it's been and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then someone sent a horrendously worrying text in one of the group chats I mean earlier today and said we could have just seen Angelo Bonner play his last ever game for West Ham because he's out of contract in the summer. Oh, I mean, I'll let you start. I assume sort of the distance of the length of time out first, but just give me your thoughts on, on that and the whole situation and any ramifications you think there might be from it. Well, firstly, it's such poor timing because you're right, he's, he's out of contract and I'd only read a couple of days ago, but they were the club are preparing to offer him a new deal. Um, it was it was a strange one because he did he got he, he was down after a tackle before he got elbowed in the face for quite a while, got back up and carried on playing. Yes, came back on sorry, the that was the one, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and then he got elbowed, and everyone just thought, oh, the reason why he came off. I think Moyes said afterwards that the only reason why he came off after he got elbowed was because. The, the, the medic has said it would take him 10 minutes to stitch him up. 10 minutes is too long to be down to 10 minutes against Liverpool. So he had to make the change. Um, so that's when I was like, it was quite surprising to see that he actually, you know, he has done his ACL. I think that the wording of the, the announcement from the club is interesting because he hasn't torn it. He's tweaked it, I think, or he's, he's damaged it, which might be a good thing. Um, but if he hasn't torn it, it can only be a good thing, really, in terms of length of time out. Um, but the key thing is apparently he's having a scan later this week to to determine whether he needs an operation. Now, if he needs an operation, that's going to be it's going to be nine months. Hmm. Um, if he doesn't need an operation, oh, I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I, I don't know. But I would have thought that would significantly... contrary to popular belief, yeah, that would significantly it, it would reduce the amount of time out if he doesn't need an operation. Um, but yeah, so I think we will kind of wait in to see what the the results of that scan is later on this week. I'm sure the club and, and everyone will keep, keep the fans updated, but it is a blow because he's been superb this season and last under, since Moyes came back, really, he's been a much improved player. Um, him and Zuma have, have just been so good together, settled in nicely, Zuma isn't he, alongside Ogbonna, they've got a really good partnership. But he was the rock, isn't he? But with Dawson, where it's Diop next to him, either it's Balbuena before, he was a man you wanted in that team, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's the one you want. Um, he's almost the glue that makes it makes it all stick together at the back. But as you quite rightly said, mate, Craig Dawson, uh, he hasn't. I don't think he's been on the losing side at West Ham for about sixteen games now. I think it's sixteen consecutive games without defeat. Um, like the guys, just incredible. So it's it's an it's a it's a real blow that we've lost Ogbonna for however long it might be it looks like it's going to be months we might see him before the end of the season but at the same time we've got Craig Dawson to call upon and who would have thought we'd be saying that this time last year before he uh, this time last year he, he was at the club but no one had ever seen him mm. i remember now, some 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 people were saying get rid of him in january weren't they waste yeah. of space waste of money waste of time i can't remember exactly yeah. who so, it did look like you the bloke though weirdly uh, i mean some like fans you. Some fans ain't got a clue what they're talking about. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, look at it now. Like, we lose our best defender and, and suddenly everyone's like, it doesn't matter, we've got Craig Dawson, he'd be all right. No, he doesn't lose games. Uh, and he, he came off the bench against Liverpool and was superb. So, But there yeah, is it's... that feeling, mate, isn't there? And that, that's not misguided, is it? There, no. Of course, Zuma was an upgrade, of course, and he has been phenomenal since he came in. But Angelo's been just as good. All for ages, I find. And yeah, you know, Dawson's been brilliant, but 
you have upgraded from like an eight out of ten to a nine and a half, haven't you? Which yeah. again, you and Dawson's had a brilliant attitude since, and all the games he's come in, he's been really good still. Um, so he's been he's been fine. What would you think then, Jonesy? Let's just assume worst case for a bit. What would your and you know what football's like? It can be a bit of a cutthroat game, and he's been a. So I don't want to give my opinion before I pose the question. What would you? What do you say, or what are your thoughts around the notion that if it is a nine ten monther, that the club go, sorry, Ange, you know, it didn't quite go as we thought it was going to. Um, we don't know if you'll be the same player after this. Um, thanks for everything. It's been great. Really sad it ended this way, but now's the time to part ways. I don't know. It's difficult to say. Um, we don't know what's even been agreed behind the scenes, but... No, true. Um, he might have already signed the deal and it's just waiting to be announced. I don't know, but mm. it'd be a little bit awkward now if they announced that he'd signed a new deal on the same day he'd just been given an ACL and uh, diagnosed with an ACL injury, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't put it past that happening. Them just going, yeah, sorry, mate, ta-da, sort of thing, because it's happened in the past with other centre-backs, other very well, highly regarded centre-backs at the club, uh, Winston Reid and James Collins being those two players that kind of left. You can't, come on, you can't point the finger at the club about Winston Reid. No, you gotta, but... you got to have some be balanced, Jonesy. That's what would, people come to us for. Would have been would have been nice to have a nice little goodbye, though, wouldn't it? Um, I think yeah, that's different. That might have been Winston. He was a shy character, wasn't he? Maybe, maybe, I don't know, but... But yeah, Collins, yeah, poor. I think I'd like to think that that they would give him something, but as you quite rightly said, it is cutthroat. Depends how many years they were planning on giving him. Depends what the wages were going to be like. I don't know. And obviously, Moyes is going to be looking at it in January now, going, right, well, I definitely need a striker now. I probably need another centre half, depending on what the time frame time frame is going to be. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I don't really know. It, it'd be sad. Um, but yeah, if, I want to speculate it, until it's happened. Then it will be sad if if it is the last we've seen of him because he has yeah. been he has been wonderful. Right, fair enough. Then let's rattle through this, Jonesy. January plans. You've sort of briefly touched on it there. Given what we're doing at the moment, uh, and I don't want it to become about transfers already. It's only the 9th of November for flip's sake. So, you know, I'm not not interested in making this a negative thing or whatever. Just I've noticed a couple of things come up and. And already people are like, oh, we need a buy in January. All right, yeah, fair enough. But just flipping, have a smile on your face for at least another month or so before it's actually near the transfer window. Um, but looking ahead, just sort of temporarily, what would your what would your sort of plan be at, at this stage, particularly given that uh, Ogbonna news? Striker and a centre half. Yeah, I think so. Um... Nothing else. No, I, don't, I think I think. Well, we've, wait, we've only got four goalkeepers. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> maybe another goalkeeper then. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I just think that's that's probably all we really need. And what we've seen already this season is that, and I, I think I've said it a couple of times that he's rotated really well, Moyes, with a small squad, and it's worked in our favour in the fact that it means everyone's got a game, everyone's got minutes. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm convinced that Crown would have had more more minutes by now had he not got COVID. Because mm. um, he's only, what, featured twice for us. Um, he would have got more minutes. So everyone's getting games. Everyone's happy. 
yeah. if you go into January and you bring in the more players you bring in in January, the more you risk upsetting that balance within the within the squad. So mm. two players for me, centre half, just to just have one more because you know we could have a lot of games and a striker to help Antonio out because we that's that's the one I'm worried about. Thankfully yeah. we've got Bonner, we've got cover, and yeah, yeah. it's a blow, but it's it's going to be all right. But if similar, something similar happens to Antonio, then we're in trouble for me. So yeah, yeah. that's got to be priority still. Right, Jonesy. Now, this is an intriguing one. I've thought this several times over the last few weeks. And when I've been putting the notes together for the podcast, I've just always forgot. And I've forgot about it when we're doing the show. But this week, I've made a note because I noticed it again against Liverpool. Uh, and this is an area of improvement I think Declan Rice could make. And I would love to see him make. He is the best football player at the club probably you know he's one of the best football players in the Premier League we're fortunate that we can say we've got lots of those at the moment I don't want to take anything away from Jared Bowen Pablo Fornells defenders of Bonner Cresswell's playing the brilliant football best football his West Ham career as well Um, so I don't want to pretend or perpetuate the idea that we're just Declan Rice plus 10 others because it's not the case at all but he is phenomenal we've seen it he's got better and better he's become more and more classy um this season as well and he just seems to keep on improving there, there doesn't seem to be a ceiling of how good he can be one thing jonesy that i've found is he's he's the he's effectively the club captain at the moment right i know noble is the club captain but declan rice is the captain on pitch isn't he one thing that i'd really like to see a bit more from him and i know we don't like it so much seeing it from other clubs but I want to see him getting involved a bit more vocally to referees in particular, but sometimes opposition players, things like that. I'm not calling for us to be a team like Liverpool because I've spent uh, a lot of this podcast moaning about the way they play football and what a non-enjoyable spectacle it was to actually watch them play because it was just a lot of moaning and diving and getting in the rest face and all that sort of thing. But when that's happening... I want I want our captain to be in there giving it back and saying and getting involved and telling them to sharpen whatever and getting into the ref and going don't take all this because like Mark Noble does and has um, and I want to see a bit more of that from Declan because the last couple of there's been a few times the last few weeks and and he just tends when that's happening particularly with opposition players or even some of our own or bad decisions go against us. He's just like shrugs and walks away and he might be visibly upset, but he's like, ah, oh, as he's walking away. And it's not a part that I want to see loads of, but particularly like on Sunday when Liverpool fans are doing it, uh, sorry, Liverpool players are doing it. I, I want your captain then because he is our captain. I know he's doing so much on the pitch. I don't know. It's not criticism as such. It'd just be another area of improvement I see and quite an easy one I think maybe it doesn't come into his personality he's obviously really jovial and all that sort of thing but he's a fierce competitor as well undoubtedly he wouldn't have got to the position he is and and be the England starting central midfielder and West Ham's uh, if he wasn't and I'd just like to see a bit more of that from him a bit more of that the the Mark Noble like the captain side of things football no complaints whatsoever. Not even closer complaint. Phenomenal stuff. Um, but yeah, I just want to see him sort of have a bit more needle getting up in referees' faces and just perhaps dominating and just 
you know, putting his presence about a little bit more when it comes to that sort of stuff. Loads of it from Liverpool on Sunday. And I think it's been, I don't know, felt better. It might just be ridiculous. It doesn't matter because we've won the game. But it just would feel better. When Noble's doing it, you feel like a bit more comfortable because you think, that, or if they're both getting in the ref's head, it keeps the ref even. But if Liverpool are just doing it and there's nothing from the other way, subconsciously it might be easier for the ref to go. I don't know. I just, do you know what I mean? I find he, he could be a little bit more abrasive, perhaps. I think I think there's definitely room for him to do that more with the opposition. Um, I don't. I wouldn't really like to see him be more like that with the referee. Um, I don't mean but... Henderson like Noble though. Do you know what I mean? Maybe not. You are allowed to disagree with me. I'm arguing already. Sorry. Uh, I mean, I can, I can kind of see where you're coming from, but at the same time, I think that's that's one thing that sets us apart. And uh, you don't want to start stooping down to. Like, I think that's that's a good thing that we don't have a captain that just wants to get in a referee's face and have a. Have a no, go no, no, no. I mean, we, we, I reckon a lot of things. A lot of things are said that obviously we we can't see or never see, and on the pitch mm. that we don't hear and. That aren't as obvious as you know someone like Henderson screaming at the referee and, and stuff like that. He's probably saying stuff to the referee all the time. Um, but when it comes to the opposition, I'd like a little bit more, a little bit more oomph about him. Then definitely, you know, when the whole four nails thing uh, at Villa Park, yeah, like, it was it was Bowen that went over and, and sorted John. McKinney yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. and Lanzini was in amongst it as well. And that's nothing against not taking that's nothing against Decker Rice, you know. Um no, he's a youngster as well, isn't he? He's a youngster. Like, Get yourself in there though. Um it doesn't doesn't affect his game. He's clearly a good captain as well, because we're doing so well with him as captain. Mm. So I can see where you're coming from, but as a guy that grew up grew up playing rugby, um, I don't like to see players screaming at refs. Oh, so, leave it out. But the fans oh. can have a pup. The fans can have a pup. Um, right, but biting players... each other and kicking each other in the nuts in scrums or whatever. But yeah, cool. but players don't be horrible players... to the ref. I mean, I'd love, I'd love it sure. if players, players called referee sir, like they're doing rugby. Oh, yeah. Um, yes, You're sir. Sorry, God. sir. You're sorry, sir. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I think, I think it's good that he's not, he's not like Henderson or anything like that. If I'm honest. Mm. All right, fair enough. Well, I mean, we know. Uh, Few of the squad listen to the podcast, don't we, mate? And by no, we use that the the use of the word we know quite liberally there, don't we? Yeah, <laughs> we yeah. sort of have a feeling maybe, perhaps. <laughs> King Arthur definitely does, absolutely 100%. no doubt in my mind. Yeah, King Arthur Masuaki does, but um, yeah, if uh, if anyone is listening, pass the message on to Deck. Um, if not for James, just to to make me feel a little bit better, then you know I'm sure that <laughs> that'll be a a request well received, wouldn't you, Jonesy? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, right, Jonesy, uh, just one bit of news. It's just breaking news, in fact, to be recording the podcast. Um, for those of you who absolutely love, like me and James do, the alternative commentary uh, on the West Ham Clips Twitter account, unfortunately, uh, that account has been suspended by Twitter this afternoon. We uh, West Ham Clips come on and done a charity bet for us. Earlier this year, great sport and just, you know, it's just one of the things that fans look forward to the most after games. There's obviously blatant copyright infringements going on. You would you would assume, and I think that's safe to say that's why the account's been suspended. I imagine there's only so many times you can get warnings or have videos taken down before they're like, 
right, listen, mate, you're done. Uh, it's only just happened, so I'm assuming that's happened. Um, there are a few people in the Twitter comments um, or who've posted showing that the account's been suspended, suggesting and reminding everyone that West Ham Clips does have an Instagram account. We, of course, don't condone any uh, illegal copyright activity on the podcast um, and I can't uh, confirm or deny whether the West Ham Clips Instagram account has been taken down or not, uh, but you can and certainly have been able to get that content over there if you so wish. Jonesy, um, I think we've danced a little bit closer, a couple of legal lines on this podcast, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah, might have to just, just before we go live, we'll publish, we might have to get some advice, maybe some legal advice from, <laughs> from, our, from our boys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If only we had any solicitors or legal representation, this might be the time. We'd certainly wipe out all of our sponsorship earnings if we were able to pay a, a lawyer 360 quid an hour, won't it? Um, Jonesy, last one. We're going to end on a really positive note this section. Just some of the interactions, messages we've got and reviews and stuff. Nice positive messages from fans and listeners to the podcast in recent weeks. I'm always bleating on, aren't I, about with the housekeeping about do follow us on Twitter. You can see it along the bottom of these videos at the moment, if you're watching on Twitter or Facebook, uh, Twitter or YouTube or Facebook. Um, and we're always encouraging you to get in touch. We've been trying to do it a little bit more this season. Uh, and I just wanted to give a shout out to a few people who've got in touch um, with, with us primarily. Uh, Steve Hunt is always good. He replies a lot um, on the social channels. Just want to say hello to Steve uh, Jonesy have you got um, we had a couple of reviews Brad Stevens as well uh, all the way from Australia he gets in touch on Instagram uh, spoke to him sent a couple of messages wish me well in Belgium in the week so just want to say hello to Brad as well uh, soul to soul um, which is a weird one actually Birmingham City fan who um, uh, gave my trainers a refurb recently really good for the environment if your trainers looking a bit tired and old go to soul to soul on uh, instagram but he's a brum fan as well um saying hello and uh saying he's getting involved with the podcast and all that as well uh josie what have you got we've got some really nice reviews i believe yeah we've had a couple of nice ones over on on itunes uh the first one is from West, oh, w Hammer says, so always look forward to this. Best of the lot, West Ham wise. Um, I think then he goes on to talk about uh, the Tottenham game potentially. Just says, uh, don't get the Antonio fear. First, he didn't go to the last international breaks, the personal trainer. Jolly was a weird piece of no news. My thought was they were trying to rush the attacks when they broke the break, basically just talking about the game. Enjoy the ride, he says at the end, um, which we certainly are. W Hammer. Um, yeah. The other one. Uh, and this is probably my favourite of all time. Um, it says, I agree with James about the Brentford game. This is from uh, N London. Um, agree with James about the Brentford game. Not sure what game you're watching, Will. But he said Will rather than Will. Uh, Will, we have, yeah, yeah. That's we cool. have more shots than Brentford and have more possession. Yes, we started badly, very badly. But we came back, at, back, back in second half and had chances to win it. Great pod. Keep up the good work. Cut out the waffle, Will. <laughs> um, so I, I especially love that one. So um, yeah, what's, who who was that from, Josie? Sorry, N London was it? N no London, N London, no name, just N London. So um, yeah, mm. keep coming on that front. Um, they're I wish I could. Yeah, I wish I could uh, cut out the waffle. Aaron Mead got in touch as well on uh, Instagram. Fellas, brackets, James. 
Just want to say thanks for the pod, even when you had prior arrangements slash stuff on. Really appreciate it. Personally, my favourite Hammers pod. Enjoyed a game tonight. Um, I don't know if he meant your, that particular one last week when it was just you was personally his favourite, Jonesy, because I was nothing to do with it. Um, judging by N London's comments about my waffle before, potentially that could be true, but I get the feeling Aaron was saying that the We Are West Ham podcast is his favourite of all the West Ham ones, which we really appreciate. If it was the first thing, uh, then I don't ever want to hear from you again. <laughs> but uh, yeah, heads up to to Aaron um, as well. He was getting in touch. Um, and James was absolutely loving it. And Adrian Bailey has got in touch as well. And uh, Robin, the Alcohol Free Beer Club is his Instagram name. I just want to say he's loving the podcast, had a season ticket for 25 years and he loves listening to us. Uh, just sounds like we're chatting in the pub. So uh, brilliant to those you. Apologies if we have, uh, if you've got in touch and we haven't read it out there, but um, we do appreciate you getting in touch. And a couple of those, James, were reviews, weren't they, on yeah. Apple and all that sort of thing, which we, we really love as well. But if you want to get in touch in the comments on YouTube, wherever. Uh, we endeavour to get back to you where we can. So uh, heads up to those of you who have apologies if we missed your name out there, but keep getting in touch with us because it does uh, make us smile in those rare days that we're away from uh, the podcast in the middle of the week and not thinking about it. So, yeah, hats off, hats off to you lot. And, uh, yeah, W Hammer saying enjoy the ride. That's exactly what we're trying to do and the message we're trying to perpetuate. Keep it up. West Ham women next. James, you did a sterling job last week in my absence, as we've already covered. Uh, you put a few of the segments out in different bits and pieces rather than one long pod. Such was uh, the lateness of my notification that I was actually moving house and wouldn't be able to do it. But you still managed to uh, muddle something together for everyone um, and obviously did the interviews as and when you could throughout the week, which you really appreciate. Uh, you're, you did a West Ham women one last week didn't you so for anyone who didn't listen to that um or the the pod individually just remind us sort of what we spoke to or who you spoke to um what what the general consensus was against ahead of that arsenal game which west ham lost four nil on sunday probably no shame in it not going to be a season definer um but yeah just give us a run for a bit of a reminder and what what the pre-match thoughts were um and and now sort of how you feel after the game yeah, I spoke to uh, Nancy Gillen, Give Me Sport Women editor, um, colleague of mine at Give Me Sport and Snap Media. Uh, she's also an Arsenal fan, so seemed like the perfect week to, to give her a debut on the Wheel of Stand podcast. And um, I actually did it at half time of the, the Genk game. Uh, oh, nice. as, as a result, Mr. Ben Rama goal, uh, <laughs> the first one. Um, but I uh, managed to squeeze it in. I thought it was a really good chat. I don't know if uh, people enjoyed it. Um, but she was, the main question I asked Nancy was, you know, how do you stop Miedemar? Because she's just a goal machine. Um, mm. And thankfully she started on the bench, but it didn't really matter in the end because see, Arsenal went out 4-0 winners and um, they've still got world-class players. Like Beth, Beth Mead's having a great season. She's, she got on the score sheet. Um, so, yeah, it's, I think that the general consensus before the game, particularly from Nancy, was that you know, it should be a, a pretty straightforward game for West uh, for Arsenal. West Ham mm. have been much improved this season, but the way Arsenal playing this season, scoring goals for fun, they're beating everyone you know, comfortably. Um, it was probably more likely to be a, a bit of a, a bit of a thrashing. Turned out to be that way, but I think the players the 
players and Oli Harder will just bounce back. I think I don't think they're going to read much into this one. Four 0 away at Arsenal. I mean, I think I think Chelsea lost six 0 or City lost six 0 away to Arsenal. So you know, if anything, we've, we've done better than them. We beat City. So um, on to the next one. I, I, I'm not going to read much into it. No, I mean, they're absolutely rampant at the moment. Arsenal played six, won six, drawn zero, lost zero. Goals four, 23. Goals against two. Goal difference of 21 yeah. after six games. I mean, it's superb, isn't it? That's a better goal ratio that's better than, like, you're winning more on average than 3-0 a game. It's just phenomenal stuff, isn't it? Chelsea in second. Uh, it's the only game Chelsea have lost, I believe, was was against Arsenal. Um, yeah, West Ham sitting in sixth at the moment. Uh, and I think after six games, considering especially where we were last season, played six, won two, drawn two, lost two, scored eight, uh, conceded eight, goal difference of zero, eight points. So it's all very symmetrical at the moment as a smack bang in the middle of the league as well. Uh, but sixth after six games, Jonesy, I don't think well, I, I, anyone was expecting it. So let alone uh, could be disappointed with it at the moment, would you say? I think they should be really pleased with, with the way it's gone so far. You know, beating City was a big a big win. As you've already said, you know, they've, they've, before the Arsenal game, they were unbeaten in five um, in all competitions, four in the league. They, they lost the opening game against Brighton. So I think they can they can look at it now and and be relatively pleased with the start of the season they've had. You know the, the big key now is to to continue that and make sure that we're not stuck stuck into a potential relegation battle. Where it looks like Leicester are going to have a bit of a season. Played six, lost six so far. Mm-hmm. It could be a battle between them and Birmingham. They've already cut adrift a little bit, but we've got to make sure that we're we're battling in that top half of the table. I think and um, the early signs are that we you know we're gonna we're gonna be in and amongst it. I think. Absolutely, mate. Well, look, yeah, West Ham's 40% possession to Arsenal, 60, uh, seven shots on, or seven shots, two on target, Arsenal, 21 shots, seven on target. Um, Yeah, the stats tell the story of the game, really. Kim Little uh, with two goals, Arsenal's first two, Beth Mead uh, added one on the hour mark for Grace Fisk own goal. Uh, in the closing stages. But yeah, not going to be a season to find us sitting pretty at the moment in the middle of the league. It's Reading next up, Jonesy. And this feels in its own way far more important. Obviously, the Arsenal game, 4 0 is not terrible considering the, I think it was, was it 9, 10, or 11 goals we shipped to them uh, last season uh, in, in the WSL. So it's in a weird way, a 4 0 defeat can be viewed as an improvement in its. In itself, um, but Reading, Reading sit ninth at the moment, played six, one, two, lost four, no draws, weirdly, but only two points behind West Ham. Uh, they're, they're on a reasonable run of form themselves, to be quite honest. West Ham, the defeat to Arsenal was their first loss in five games, but Reading, uh, after a run of three consecutive defeats of one, two on the spin, uh, they beat Birmingham 3-0 away on Sunday. Uh, they also beat Aston Villa last time out in the league. They actually lost to Bristol City in the League Cup recently. But, yeah, two, their league form, really good, James. The last two games, Birmingham and Aston Villa there, six goals scored, zero conceded. And with them two points behind West Ham in the league, all of a sudden... Um, you know they could they could leapfrog us into uh, sixth place if with with a win. Yeah, they could go sixth with a win, uh, depending on how the Man City and Aston Villa results go. West Ham could be ninth after this weekend. Alternatively, 
depending how the goals go. If we get a win, we could be level on points with Man United in fifth. And depending how they get on, if they lose that game and we win, our goal difference will get better than theirs. Uh, with a win, you're sitting in fifth. A lose, you're sitting in ninth. This feels like quite a, a landmark game almost and one that, that could be a bit early on as much as they can be, but a bit season-defining. Well, these are the games that we've got to win um, if we're going to finish the top half of the table. You, know, you beat you beat Reading, as you said, you beat Reading potentially in the weekend in fifth. You lose and suddenly you're, you're being sucked back into the bottom half of the table and it's a bit of a free-for-all. Um, it, it's already really tight down there you know, between... 10th and what 10th and 5th there's what five points in it so mm. there's potential for a lot of swing still so but you beat the teams below you and you just have a huge opportunity to pull away Brighton are, Brighton are doing that they're in fourth so you know they've, they've already had a strong start to the season of pulling away we need to start looking at it and doing the same and they need to go into a game like Reading and be going right okay, we've got to win this yeah they're in good form but so are we you know it's not really too much into the Arsenal game because um, they're beating everyone. And let's go again. Um, you win these games and you give yourself a massive chance, I think. And I think Oli Harder will be looking at it that way as well, I would have thought. Yeah, no, you're right, mate. You are you are right. And uh, yeah, I think it's got a, it is huge. Far more season defining than Arsenal, really. Um, but fingers crossed we can get a result and end Reading's run of uh, two wins from two. West Ham, we've got Birmingham away in the League Cup Wednesday, the 17th of November before home game against Tottenham on the 21st of November. They go to Everton after that. Uh, Brighton at home in the League Cup next. And then away to Chelsea is the last game before the Christmas break. So uh, an intriguing run of fixtures coming up. Uh, definitely some winnable games in there for the girls. There'll be a couple of extremely challenging ones as well. But certainly by the time that uh, Chelsea game is done and dusted on the 19th of December, we'll have a really clear idea of uh, of where the girls might be able to be sitting come the end of the season. Jonesy, one last thing on this section. Kate Longhurst tweeted at the weekend her disappointment at seeing the women's game at uh, clash with the men's fixture. Me and you were discussing before about potentially getting to this one because it's local to you, the Arsenal game at Boreham Wood. Uh, it did clash with the men's game. You suspect it's obviously more of a TV issue with the men's game as opposed to the women's. Kate Longhurst is a fan and gets down to West Ham. Uh, the men's games as much as she can. Uh, what did you What did you make of of that on the whole? Really, it's hard to argue with what she's saying. Really, if they want more support. Yeah, it's hard to argue it. And, I mean, I was disappointed just from a selfish point of view because you're right, it's five minutes down the road from, from where I live. Um, Arsenal men played as well, didn't they, Sunday? Sorry, James, to interrupt. Yeah. Arsenal men had a game Sunday, so it might be difficult for fans if they well, want they, to go to both. They had the early kickoff, um, And maybe that was the thinking was that, you know, both Arsenal um, women and Arsenal men were both at home. So we'll split them. So fans could go to both of those potentially. I don't know, mm. but from a selfish point of view, it's like Bournemouth's ground is just five minutes away. I went to Bournemouth to watch them on Saturday afternoon. Um, Five-minute walk from, from my house. So I was thinking, great, I'll go to that and then realised that I'd have had to li- have left the Liverpool game early to make sure I got there in time, which obviously, given the way the Liverpool game went, that was no way I was leaving that game early. So, yeah, yeah. yeah frustrating because um, I was looking forward to seeing, seeing the women's team play. Um but just hope you get them in a cut. And I can do yeah. That. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I, I say, I, I, it is disappointing I, I, all in. Yeah. Like, it, they, I mean, it's it, at the same time, it's difficult for 
as much as we moan about Sky and the TV yeah. scheduling and not a lot of thought goes into the fans all the time, and which I think there is an element of truth in that. I think at the same time it must be it must be so difficult for these for these mm. companies to also keep everyone happy at all times. You can't you tick can't, every box, can you? No. West Ham played in Europe on Thursday. You couldn't yeah. there's no justification for playing that game earlier. Perhaps it could have been a shift for the women's one. Perhaps that's what Kate was getting at if you played out on a Saturday. Who knows? But um yeah, look, great stuff for the women. Unlucky against Arsenal, but four nil, not too much of a humiliation and uh, massive game against Reading uh, this weekend coming up on Sunday. Stay with us. We'll have some final thoughts next. Jonesy, you'll notice I've made a little bit of an amendment to the running order. I know you don't like talking about fantasy football. I forgot to do my team last week. An absolute shambolic points total. So I'm more than happy to move straight on if you so wish this week. Uh, yeah, I'm happy to move on, mate. Um, poor week for me as well. I know I've got more points than you this week. Mm. But terrible week for me as well. So um, I'm just quietly, quietly chipping away. Yeah. Um, so I'm happy to brush over it this week, mate. I won't gloat too much after one week. I'm not that type of guy, you know. Yeah, excellent. I've got absolutely nothing to gloat about at all. So I've got about 21 points, which is a shamble. So uh, I'll keep my mouth shut about that one. Uh, James, again, we've, we've gushed about it at the beginning of the podcast. I'm really, really enjoyed it. It's an international break one. We've been recorded for two hours and 15 minutes, mate. I know you've got dinner to go and make. Um, but I've just, it's been a great time and you could hear it, hopefully, how much me and James are enjoying uh, West Ham at the moment. I'm enjoying being back on the podcast. Uh, after a little absence last week. So thanks to you, mate, for, for stepping up to the fort and making sure um, some of the fans got some content, albeit in a slightly different fashion, but we're uh, back to normal this week, which is happy days. But just, James, sum up if you can. As I always say, what a week and what a show. Um, just, yeah, I mean, this, this could it feels like the peak. It could never get better than this. Alternatively, like you said, we could be on the brink of something absolutely historic. Well, every weekend I go into it going, is this going to be the week where it all begins to fall apart? And I've been doing that for weeks now. And every single game, it just keeps getting better and better and better. Um, to the point now where I'm thinking, well, maybe maybe this is just this is just the West Ham that we should come to expect every week now. This is this is the West Ham, normal West Ham now. Maybe, maybe not. Stay humble but, with it, though. Stay humble. But let's enjoy it. You can stay humble, but still love absolutely every second of it. And that's what I'm doing at the moment. Um, so, yeah, I'm absolutely buzzing. I'm looking forward to um, the next round of games. It's so annoying that it's an international break. After a game like that, you want, you want the next one to come come quickly, didn't you? But, yeah, I'm absolutely buzzing. Um, I'm going to probably watch, probably watch the highlights again after this, just to remind myself how great it was. Um I sing about David Moyes in the shower every morning. That's how mental this whole whole situation is. David Moyes, Claret Bar, me in the shower. Um, love it. Just what what great time to be a West Ham fan at the moment, isn't it, mate? It's just such a wonderful time. Exactly, Super. exactly. Drink it all in. That's what we're saying to everyone. Just enjoy it at the moment. Just I know there will always be negative things in life but particularly in football but if you can't focus on the positives right now you never will be able to so if you can 
just focus on on the great time that we're all having because it might never happen again. There'll be plenty of time in the future, no doubt, to moan about other stuff about West Ham United. But um, yeah, just try and, <laughs> and drink it all in for sure. Well, I was a little bit, uh, just one final thing we didn't really get to in that much detail, James, the England squad, Luke Shaw being omitted. I think poor old Aaron Cresswell, who's playing the best football of his career, might have been worth giving him a nod. I, pr- I understand he perhaps might not be a too much of a long-term option, but he's been playing fantastic football for West Ham at the moment. If he keeps it up like this, why on earth wouldn't he be in contention um, for at least a place in that, that World Cup squad? Uh, yeah, I think not giving him a call-up was unfair. Bowen not getting one. Emil Smith-Rowe has obviously been playing very, very well for Arsenal. Um, similar type of player, small, powerful, fast, driving run. Um, yeah, I think Jared as well. I hope to hear him in that conversation soon. I understand sort of uh, the calls for West Ham fans going, no, oh, no, we don't want international players. Not true. It's a sign of how well you're doing if your teams are, are full of international players. If they get injured or they're a bit tired, all right, so be it. That's just one of the byproducts. It means your team's good. I'd rather have a team of... Uh, of tired players from from international duty because it means they're good enough to be international players than a team of fresh players who are nowhere near good enough to get in for their countries. Yeah, disappointed that they didn't get a nod perhaps this time around, but kudos to Declan as ever. But exactly what James said, it's just phenomenal. We'll remember these times forever and you don't want to look back and go, oh, I wish I'd enjoyed it more. Drink it in as much as you can. Soak up as much of it as you can. Keep supporting the team as brilliantly as you all are, wherever you are in the world. Thanks to all of you who got in touch uh, as ever. It's just absolutely brilliant at the moment, supporting the club and doing the podcast. Do follow us as ever and get in touch on Twitter at we are underscore West Ham. Instagram, we are West Ham pod. Facebook, uh, we're the We Are West Ham podcast and YouTube. Exactly the same search for that one. Just want to say thanks as well, Jonesy, to BJ, who uh, bought us three pints in the week. Um, just said some nice words about how much he's enjoying the pod and, uh, yeah, chipped in and bought us three pints, which we will be enjoying, Jonesy, me and you, in Vienna in a few weeks' time, which I'm really, really looking forward to. But, uh, yeah, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, leave us five-star reviews, as some of you have done in the week, the ones Jonesy has read out. Get in touch on all the platforms. We love it, um, and we hope you do too. Write us some reviews, nice words, and more importantly, tell your friends all about us. I'm just going to leave it here. West Ham United are third in the Premier League, and they're top of their European group after four games. The teams we've beaten in recent times would be enough to define single seasons on their own, in years gone past. Enjoy it while you can. Thanks very much for listening, everyone. What a period of time we've got coming up. Up the hammers. Don't forget, West Ham are massive everywhere they go. And we'll see you next week. West Ham are massive everywhere they go. West Ham are massive everywhere they go. Hi, this is Tony Cotty and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.